From the Stick of Butter Studios in New Brighton, Minnesota, I'm Ann Lundholm, and this show has everything. Baking show updates, personal finance philosophies, poor decisions, lessons learned, and much more. We're diving into the somewhat scary and fraught subject of money and our relationship to it. Something that we were taught that you keep private so as not to foment resentment or judgment, but I would like to push back against the cultural idea that financial status determines our value in society. So we're going to talk about it. Do you hear me, Jeff Bezos? Your penis is still small. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably shaped weird. (laughs) Probably shaped like that spaceship. Yeah, I mean, we we all might as well have seen his penis from the... And you've heard their voices. Joining me today to tackle this are some of my favorite financially responsible people. From Money Pit Studios in Detroit, Michigan, it's Meredith, the MVH Van Harn. Hi, Meredith. Hi, aptly named studios today. I kind of thought, <laughs> and I uh, changed the next studio name Ooh. from Delicate Pipe Studios in Linwood, Washington. <laughs> it's the nice lady, Christy Wise. Hi, Christy. Hello. Everything's a ticking time bomb in my house. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll start with some small talk. We'll check what's in the mailbag and judge your candy choices. I'm so ready to judge your candy Mm -hmm. choices. Then we'll be brave and talk honestly about money. We'll make some teachy recommendations and let you know how you can get involved with the show. Christy, you're going to take us into small talk this week. I am. Okay. I have lots of questions about Bake Off and it's mid-season. We're not counting today. We're recording on Friday. Um, and, uh, Ann and I haven't watched the most recent episode, so we're just going to do the, um, from episode one to German week. Meredith has all the power here. <laughs> I know. She I am going to try so hard to not do it. I'm not going to say anything. And if, if we do, we'll edit it out. So okay. at least I don't ruin it for everyone. <laughs> and it's like, um, I didn't click on any, um, clickbait this week so I don't know who even went home like That's I had good. the last three I weeks. know Tuesday night to Friday is real minefield on Google <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I just don't read anything ab- from England like now after the, what happened last week okay so I have a question about dessert week aren't all of these things desserts except <laughs> bread week um British terminology is weird on this, and I mm-hmm. consider myself pretty knowledgeable about uh, British terminology, especially especially baking terminology. And I'll be damned if I know. Okay, I thought you're gonna say. Okay, good. So I don't. I because I know like pudding means dessert, and um, what is it? Biscuits mean cookies. Like there's so mm-hmm. many things that I just didn't know. Like if dessert had its own kind of category. I think in some of these challenges, they have options that could be like more savory. Um, So maybe that's why the distinction, but also like they need to fill up, you know, however many 10 weeks of shows. Yeah, I think I think pudding is sort of like a course, like a meal course. Yeah, it just means dessert. Yeah. Well, let's not it's complicate things. (laughs) You know how we say we have breakfast, lunch, dinner, and those are. Yeah. Or not breakfast, lunch, dinner. How we say we would have appetizer, main, dessert. I think Mm -hmm. that pudding fulfills that dessert category. So that's why they say it that way. So it's just a catch-all overall term. But then I think they also use it to um, categorize some things that don't neatly fall into other categories. Okay. But I don't know about this dessert stuff. Yeah. Okay, next. 
Um, so they have a German on this year, and then they had German Week. Is this something that they do every year? No. No. So that's kind of cheating, right? Well, well I think they do. A co- they don't always stick to the same exact topics every season. And I, I'm sure they decided these ahead of time, like before Jurgen was on the show. They had to have, right? I would think so. Because, like, Bread Week was, like... Make this Italian bread Italian and make stuff. this other Italian yeah. bread. Yeah, it was focaccia right. and ciabatta. Like, of course Giuseppe's going to do well on those. Right. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think those were probably planned in advance. And it's like, was it last season they did Japanese week? Was it last season or the week It was yes. the one with Four. Kim Joy, right? Because she got to do some, like... No, I think that was different. No, I think really? it was last time. Oh. Yeah, and they oh, use yeah, because the they made Japanese those... term, the Q-Pi or the Kawaii. 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 Yeah, yeah, and there Kawaii. was, um, um, what is his name now? Ba- Mark, bearded Irish Mark, who oh, made yeah. the Bebe avocados. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just said Bebe every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Isn't Q-Pi the, that's mayo, right? Yeah. I messed up on that. That mayo with the baby on it. I just yeah. want to make sure because I the always The sweet mayo that they squirt on um, sushi yeah. rolls. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Jap- well, Japanese week was, um, I would say there was not a whole hell of a lot of Japanese baking in Japanese week. They seem to use the very sort of, what do we know about Japan? Sake. Yeah. Matcha. Matcha. Tea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that Green was about tea. as far as they went. And it seemed like Jurgen especially had a few quarrels with sort of the way they picked to do German week. Yeah. Like, they weren't especially culturally accurate or sensitive. And I know, I think they they did Italian week once. I don't remember. So they do, like, explore, like, scratch the surface-iest surface of other countries' baking, you know, traditions, but... I don't know if we can expect the British to be extremely culturally sensitive, just historically. (laughs) And which bake was it that... um, that Jurgen said, this is, we wouldn't do this. It's like putting two apple crisps on top of each other. Yeah, it was the, the last yeast one. Cake? Yeah, oh, it was the, the yeast cake. He's like, yeah, we yeah. just wouldn't do this. This is in not. Germany. This is weird. <laughs> I oh, felt, actually, I felt bad for him because he was just set up to fail. Like, if he had one Starbaker, they would have been like, well, what do you expect? He's German. Right. Of course he got Starbaker. Right. And if he didn't get Starbaker, they'd be like, what? You're in lost his in whole his country. own week? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it wasn't very fair, really. When he already had it twice. He had it the first two yep. episodes, didn't he? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I liked, I loved about this because I love when they like get along and everyone's like seems so friendly and then they cry and I I just love that. But um, I really like that he was translating things to teach people what they were. Mm -hmm. I I don't remember. I think Lizzie said Lizzie said that that he was doing that. That was so great. And like he's a sweetheart. Yeah. Giving them little um, tips along the way. And like (laughs) people would like spy over and look at what he's doing. (laughs) Okay, he's doing it. So I'll do it. You're going to do it. So um, my next thing is they have um, asked them before, how did this go in practice? So how far along, like how far in advance do they know? I wonder. Mm. I think they must give them all the challenges before they get on the show. 
Like they don't get they to must. Monday morning and then they're like, it's German no. week. I think mm-hmm. they give it all out before they get on the show because then they have to like tell the producers what ingredients they need and all that stuff. So yeah. they couldn't do that sort of on the spot. They have to have significant lead time and i can't see them i don't know like after the third week well then we'll tell them what we're making in week seven that seems like way too messy yeah Yeah, and like they and in the olden times they they would always say like oh when i practice this at home right Mm -hmm. and we know they're not going home in between anymore right aren't they staying in a hotel in a bubble yeah because i know someone said um, that they had practiced it the night before, and yeah, it had but worked. I think they get practice time in the tent. Yes, now. yes. So, yeah. but I also think they get to do it at home because they still mention doing it at home, which I don't think they would mention. I don't think they would say that if they did it at the tent, right? I don't yep. think they would lie yep. about it. Agree. Yeah. So I think okay. they must be able to develop at least you know most of the way before the season starts, mm-hmm. and then they just bring in you know maybe they tweak it or whatever. Because, I mean, they get to practice their signatures and their showstoppers. Yep. It's only the technical that's a surprise. So that's a great deal of practice. I mean, unless you're Lizzie and you get to the tent and decide you'd rather just watch Harry Potter all day. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to talk about that. That was so funny. I came here to do it. So when you said, um, and you were like, oh, I'm... I'm kind of glad that the first person that got eliminated. So I hadn't watched it and you had, I don't know if you said it on the show cause I didn't listen to it yet. Cause I didn't want to ruin anything, but you had said, I can't handle that energy the whole season. I thought you meant Lizzie and I was like, I really like her, <laughs> but oh, meant- it was nerd Tom. Yeah. Right? It was like, well, train store owner. Yep. Yes. Lizzie would be the next person's energy who I have a problem. Oh, with. Oh, really? But yeah. You know, I was, I didn't like her at all at first. Like she graded on me so much, but she's, growing on me now like I like her I don't know I, I like watch her, her and I'm like why are you here because you complain <laughs> about everything all the time and she's like ah eh, who breaks breaks bread I mean it's what a faff That's, she says that a lot it's such a faff and then she's like German who would oh, make you're not German like the next zone. episode <laughs> she's always like rah, 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 yep. rah. and yep. then I don't know I she just seems like sort of unfocused a lot of the time mm-hmm. and I'm like do you want to be here or not at least be like slightly excited occasionally. Yeah, I think that's like her shtick, and I I don't I don't love it, but she is not as grating to me as she once was. It seems like such a British thing to be like that, though. Mm-hmm. She she's also they really highlighted it in the first couple of episodes. So yeah, and now it, like they have more material from her, and she's pretty competent. So. Like, she kind of knows what she's doing. I, I think yeah. her decorating taste is atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> the colors are... Oh, my Lord. Well, everything looks really sloppy, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she knows how to make something that tastes good. Yeah. So, I have a question. Why do they need someone like Noel? <laughs> they don't? To like punch I it up or something? I don't like, think they do. I mean, I personally like him a lot. I just, I think he's funny and I mm-hmm. like him better than Matt. Um, I don't know why Matt's there, to be honest. <laughs> I think, but I mean, they yeah. need somebody to be a bridge between the judge and the contestants and they need somebody to explain all the challenges. And I think they need somebody to kind of be a little bit of a proxy for the audience to be able to go and be like what are you doing 
What are you thinking? How's it going? Have you ever treated a peacock in your veterinary practice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, like Sue and Mel were, I found them really grating too. Like, I think they're just an all kind of annoying. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of a British presenter thing. You know, that's very yeah, much a huge thing. We there, would yeah. say host mm-hmm. here, like a television host. But it's, that's not, I mean, we don't have that many, te- I mean, besides like Tom Bergeron or whatever, people who are professional hosts, that seems to be Ryan much Seacrest. more of a thing <laughs> in England yeah. than it is here. It's like a category of profession that just has a certain something to it that I think is not always right for American sensibilities. Yeah. You know, that total wipeout show that I was talking about a while back, um, the host on that has the same kind of Richard Hammond. I guess he's like a, he hosts a lot of stuff. Um, and he has the same kind of annoying energy and dumb jokes. Yeah. So I, I kind of chalk it up to like Britishisms and British humor, which sometimes really falls flat for me. <laughs> I'm okay with them until it's a time crunch and the people are like sweating and they're like five minutes left. And then Noel comes over and he's like, so how are you doing? And it, it just stresses me out, especially the time that it really made me mad <laughs> is when he like grabbed the recipe and even though they're like very r- vague recipes like bake bake it mm-hmm. um he like took um Maggie's recipe and started writing on it like trying to be funny and then she like forgot that page and then forgot to put flour in it now that oh was that sure that happened yeah Yikes. she forgot to put flour in it cuz it was on the second page and he had written like all these like dumb things that she should do on that one and they have sabotaged people before, like accidentally. Like it's definitely happened where they've yeah, ruined it, stuff. It just feels like that shouldn't be counted against the person. Now, that being said, Maggie is old and British and she should know how to make a sticky toffee pudding. Like I've never even had one or seen one and I would know that flour would go in that kind of situation. Yeah. So she should have like said, mm, maybe this has flour. She and she did. <laughs> She oh, was she like, did? yeah, she was like, this seems weird. Like, shouldn't it have flour or something? Oh, well. Yeah, that was the bad part is when she yep. said, oh, well. <laughs> she said, oh, well, a lot. And that's why she yeah. got kicked yeah. out. I'm surprised I'm she surprised lasted she... as long. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I really had high hopes from her because she had so much more. I mean, I talked in our last show about the Bake Off that I, one of the things that I think gets in the way of older competitor competitors is that they don't tend to have a higher gear that they can kick it into. Like you mm-hmm. said, Christy, when everything's getting super stressful and they've got five minutes to do 15 minutes worth of things, you got to get a move on. And the older mm-hmm. contestants just don't seem to have that capability. And I was like, oh, Maggie, I think she can do that. She's really, really seems. Yeah, she was fast. And she was a midwife. Like she should be able to like, you know, when things get stressful, be calm, you know. I, I think she was thrown off on by Noel on that one for sure. I think in general, Maggie was like, the, the the flaw that I felt she had was just that she was so traditional about everything. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. not yeah. what you need for that show. Yeah. Like, they want some creativity and they want some new stuff. And she just was always like, I'm going to stick with the basics here. When I, Okay, it's always the older people that say that, too. I don't, yep, you can't improve on a classic, so why yeah. would you try? But, and I'm like, have you not watched this show? That's I a mean, red flag. Yeah. 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 Let's go all the way back the to the season where uh, the like old Irish guy, Norman, was like, I feel like I've gotten my feet on the ground. And I'm going to <laughs> try something a little wild. I'm going to make Aww. a vanilla tart. And we were like, <laughs> oh, man. <Yeah. laughs> all right. So 
I want you mid season to give a prediction of who's going to win. Meredith? Ooh, I mean, I want it to be Giuseppe, but I bet it'll be Jurgen. Mm. I wish that they could kind of tie. <laughs> we yeah. could have co-champions because I can't see how it'll be anyone other than one of them. They're I think Crystal is sure. really delightful, but mm-hmm. I don't think she's good as as either of them. Her her finish work is so good. Like it's she's beautiful. so good at like yeah yeah she's, presentation. Yeah, is amazing. I think she's a little bit high strung. She's for sure a tryhard. Like, she's one of the people that's Mm -hmm. practicing and practicing and practicing in the tent, which I don't criticize because I would be exactly that same way. But Mm -hmm. I think she she does get a little bit, not flighty, but she just sort of is a little higher maintenance Mm -hmm. than the winners tend to be. But I really like her. I think I would put her in my top four, probably. I think it's all sort of played out well i thought amanda and george would be gone before maggie and i called george to be gone last week and i was really surprised that he stayed Mm -hmm. he must make really good tasting stuff that's all i I can say (laughs) yeah because it looks great also (laughs) ugly when it comes out yeah he's skated by and and amanda has too like they've both skated by by the skin of their teeth yeah several episodes i think they've both survived because there was always somebody who just did worse. Yeah, I think they're their the time, vegan, yeah, <laughs> the child. <laughs> their time is is uh, fast approaching, but I don't know. I think uh, Chigs has been a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those four you're gonna Giuseppe yep. and Christelle and Chigs probably yeah will take it to the semis, and after mm-hmm. that we'll see. I'm very pleased though. I think. The talent has been a lot better this season. Yeah. It's been a delight to watch. All right. Well, thank you for answering all my questions. Um, Now, Meredith, you have something. Um, Yeah. This past weekend, um, we actually did two things. It was an exhausting weekend. Um, On Saturday, we went to Grand Rapids for Olivia's third birthday party. And she, as my dad says, is going to prison Um, (laughs) just in general. Like, that's just his take on her. Like, she is, I've said before, she's a firecracker and she totally is. Um, You know, she's a, she's a delightful, like, toddler. You know, she's just a toddler. Um, They're all nightmares. Uh, And she, so we combined, my mom's birthday is early November. So we've started to combine the adult birthdays. Um, we all used to get our own, like, go to mom's house and she'll make whatever dinner you want and whatever cake you want. Um, but now it's like, who cares about the adults? Let's have the kids' birthdays be the events. And so we did my mom's birthday and Olivia's. Um, so I got Olivia a few books from our local neighborhood small bookstore. And um, her mom had put a pair of um, these adorable yellow croc rain boots on her wish list. And I couldn't find them in yellow, but I found them in green and they're very cute. And they've got like basically huge handles on either side. So a three-year-old can put them on herself. (laughs) And when she got them, uh, her mom was like, thank you, because that allows her to be even more independent than she already is. (laughs) So that was a a big hit. Um, My mom wanted 
my mom's been doing some really hardcore gardening um, over the summer, and um, she put a <laughs> pitchfork on her um, wish list. And so we, we got her a pitchfork and Gregory wrapped it for me in a, I was like, can we wrap this in like a hilariously obvious way? So it's clear what it is. And so he like wrapped each individual tine perfect. in wrapping paper um, and it came out perfect. It was great. It was a big hit. And she wanted like a knife. It was basically like a, it's a Jeez. spade with a blade on it. I know oh. I got her all these dangerous implements. Your mom has got gardening. some plans that I don't know that we should know anything about. I don't know what she's bearing, but I'm not asking questions. I'm just doing, I'm just giving her gifts. Um, so, but it was it was really fun. My mom made a, a frozen themed cake because I guess that's still a thing for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had like she struggled with the frosting a little bit. She said like every time she mixed the colors together to get pink, it turned out gray. <laughs> she was like, I don't know how this is happening because like it's pretty clear how you get pink frosting, but it kept turning out weird. <laughs> So it's kind of mauve in the end, but it was as good as it was going to get. And, and Olivia didn't care. She tried to stick her whole face into it mm-hmm. um, as soon as uh, as soon as it was presented to her. And of course, she spit all over it as she was like blowing the candle out as perfect kids do. So it's like, you know, very perfect kids birthday party. Um, and she is a sweetheart and a nightmare and a lot of fun. So that was really great. And then... Um, the day after, we got invited to go to a museum of death <laughs> with some friends. As one does. And it was, I mean, it's a good Halloween activity. really was. Um, and it was in Macomb, Michigan, which is like a place that I was aware of but had never really been. Um, and so that was kind of interesting. It wasn't anything special. And this was a very weird, like, museum. It was just some dude's collection. And it was kind of in a strip mall. And he was this strange of course strange guy and you paid ten dollars and almost nobody was wearing a mask but we were wearing our masks and there were a lot of like real human skulls i don't know how that's legal but it must be there was like a shrunken head there was a ton of like old embalming equipment and stuff like that and a lot of old um uh, indonesian tribe uh artifacts so it was pretty it was interesting um the there was spooky music that was way too loud and it was a little crowded for my tastes so it it, we weren't there for too too long um and hopefully we didn't catch breakthrough covid there but uh (laughs) it it was a gamble like we haven't literally haven't done anything with anybody in months so museum of death indeed yeah very apt so that was my last weekend and it was pretty fun boy i do not want to be embalmed no nobody nobody embalm me please no 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 i i would like to you know actually i would like you know sunlight to hit my corpse and then everything just disintegrate i was we were watching an episode of bones that involved like a body farm um and i was like you know what that would be cool like use you know use me to in some gruesome decomposition experiment that's fine I don't mind. The CIA I don't know. body farm or like a private uh, body It was some farm. university's body farm. You know, sure. there are a few, um, I think, in real life. There's a few. But I don't know that when you donate your body to science that you get to choose that. I'm not sure. My grandmother, um, her husband went to Harvard Medical School and she donated her body to Harvard Medical School when she died. And she, her joke was like, I finally got into Harvard. <laughs> or I will finally get into Harvard. <laughs> um, but that might be a special case. Uh, so I don't really know how that works, but if anybody out there knows how I can get into a body farm, let me know. (laughs) (laughs) 
This is an odd podcast sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on to the yeah, mailbag? Let's do mailbag. Okay, why don't we start with our Facebook uh, question of the week responses. And our question was, what's the one, one Halloween candy you would keep for yourself? Um, and, of course, you guys didn't uh, follow the instructions. Um, Hillary's <laughs> basically entire family said candy corn. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree. I do love those. I, I prefer the pumpkins. I don't know why. They make me feel more nauseous than regular candy corn, I guess. Because they're bigger. I mean, they're great, but there's a volume problem with the pumpkins. Yes, it, you're right. They make you feel sick. So after about five, mm-hmm. oh, you that's have the to limit. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm finished. And sometimes part of the pleasure of eating candy is in the volume. So if right. you can only eat a couple of things, then it's kind of a disappointing experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Laura says Reese's peanut butter cups all the way. I agree with that. Uh, Heather, again, peanut butter cups. Um, Julie says it used to be Reese's peanut butter cups, but I've recently become allergic to peanuts. What? Crying emoji. That's oh. terrible. Oh, I'm sorry. sorry. I mean, I, I knew that you could grow out of allergies, Sort of, but I didn't know that you could sort of develop a major allergy later in life. Fun mm-hmm. fact, I mean, a you food can become allergy. allergic to anything at any time. Yes. <laughs> it's a fun gamble. Every time I eat shrimp, I'm like, I wonder if this will be it. <laughs> Is this the time that kills me? <laughs> yeah. I had a friend who was at a restaurant and just suddenly, like, she had, I don't know, lobster or crab or something. And just, like, they had to go to the emergency room. <laughs> And it was never a problem for her before. So, yeah, it's a crapshoot. It can just happen. I do not like this. Mm -mm. I don't either. Um, Carolyn says, well, since you're limiting us to one and no exotics, I'll say take five. I like the combination of textures and the salty sweet ratio is excellent. If I could have an exotic, hands down, it would be these guys, which are wasabi Kit Kats. So I have a question. Did we actually say no exotics? I don't think. I told no, Lane she wasn't allowed to come up with some oh. like weird. <laughs> Only something. Lane, though. Only Lane. <laughs> Just so I don't have to pronounce something crazy that I yeah. can't say. <laughs> Thank you, Lane. Uh, John says, 100 grand bars. They are so good frozen. That's interesting because those are, I think that's like a sleeper. I think those are really good. I've never tried them frozen, though. I love 100 grand bars so much, as I said on the show. And it just seems to me because I went to the grocery store and then Everywhere I turn, there's bags of fun size 100 gram bars. So that must be something that really like hits mm. its peak for Halloween. It's one of the nut free, one of the only nut peanut free ones. Oh, I suppose so. That, oh, yeah. So the, those are a good, a good substitution. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, like so. Jonathan says York peppermint patties, if it's available, haven't been able to find any in fun size. That's a good point. I don't know if I, I went shopping today. Uh, it's two days before Halloween because I didn't want to like buy a bunch of candy and then I would just eat it all because <laughs> that's what would happen. Um, and I think it was kind of slim pickings, um, mm-hmm. but I definitely didn't see any fun size peppermint patties. It's, you know, they don't seem like that big when you get the regular size. Maybe that's just mm-hmm. me talking. <laughs> but like what yeah good but is a it fun probably size? would break the bank if you bought full size for everybody who came to your house well that's not happening costco used to maybe still because i got them for work all the time as one of the snacks they had a box full of the like it was probably this little bigger than a quarter and they were individually wrapped mm, that's what i should have done i should have gone to costco today are yorks the one did they used to have that commercial where you would like bite into the yorks and then you would, would breathe the frosty yes. breath. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I wish that would really happen. 
in July. You don't really yep. feel like that in talk to me again in January. <laughs> My toes are already cold. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Our heat's already on. Um Amy says, Tootsie Rolls, so much so that I have them tattooed on my arm. That is dedication. It certainly is. Mm-hmm. Emily says, Peanut M&M's, the fun size of five to six pieces is perfect for personal bribery, but I am always trying to convince my coworkers to give me intermittent rewards of fun size packs with no explanation. <laughs> I love this idea. You know, if five to six pieces is the bribery size, I'm going to need a bunch of bribes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Amanda says Almond Joy all the way. That's one of the ones I got today at the store. Yeah, I feel like we did not talk about Almond Joy and Mounds enough because we kind of forgot about them. Because I love coconut, but it's very polarizing. Yeah. 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 And says Smarties. Uh, Shrug emoji in parentheses. My kid used to save them for me and he liked them well enough. Hearts. That's sweet. That's very sweet. Give your mom candy that you actually like. Mm Mm-hmm. And Linda agrees. Smarties for me too. Uh, Tierra says Baby Ruth, and so does Ken. Baby Ruth are the best candy bar, and it is not close. I'm kind of surprised. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't expect to get any Anyone. love for Baby Ruth, yeah. but they are good. I mean, that's kind of a salty. That's a bit of a salty sweet combo. Yeah, Ken was a little bit um, miffed that we went so hard on Baby Ruth. But, you know, that just <laughs> shows you there is a place for every candy bar yeah. in this world. Yep. yep. Ken and Tierra can have mine. Exactly. Mine too. <laughs> April says, growing up Snickers. As an adult, it depends on what I can sneak out of my kid's stash. That's yep. a good point. That's <laughs> just practical. At some point, it doesn't no. matter. No. <laughs> uh, Jean says, Milky Way. Yes, Love please. those. Totally. Um, Fred says, when we get those giant bags of Halloween candy at Costco, M&M's, plain or peanut, are the first thing to go into the emergency backup bowl. <laughs> also, Kit Kats. The trick-or-treaters are welcome to the rest. Oh, how yeah, magnanimous you of you. Hold Fred. a few aside. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Missy says, nerds, specifically these mango chili nerds that give me heartburn that I eat anyway. <laughs> also, sweet tart ropes are an abomination. I only like original sweet tarts. I need to make that clear. Hillary Livingston Butler. I like that she <laughs> tagged her in that. Yeah. But these mango chili nerds, I need to try those. I haven't I've been able to find them anywhere. That sounds amazing. Yeah, she's shown me the box and, and they um, have like those sugar skulls on them. They're so cute, but I've never had them. Yeah, that's a very like Southwest thing yeah. that may not exist in, up here. Mm-hmm. I just want the strawberry and grape ones. I love nerds. I'm a nerd mm-hmm. purist. They're so nerds. good. Have you guys had the new nerd gummy? They're like... Mm-mm chunks of gummy just goo like a drop of it and then it's covered in nerds it's delicious Ooh, i mean when perfect you texture de- describe them in such an appealing way Christy. yeah that sounds nasty More i love nerds and i love gummies though so yeah. i oh, will try then you would love these oh my gosh yes i was just telling gregory i had this flashback a couple days ago to i don't know why but like in the early 90s it feels like everything had a gummy like there was millions of gummy candy things at like gas stations and convenience stores mm-hmm. and my brother used to get these things that were like huge like maybe the size of your hand gummy rats what? yes yes or like oh god i so remember those or like spiders yeah or, and it, it, and like half the point was like so that he could hit us in the face with the yes. tail because mm-hmm. it was like a long disgusting rat tail yeah, yeah. or Ugh. like um other gross kids would like lick it and then slap it in mm-hmm. your face yeah yeah thanks but a lot. why I, I feel like boys like find 
a way to abuse women no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm going to I'm going to sacrifice my candy by Any putting chance. it in her hair. <laughs> oh, they're still going to eat it. They don't care. They're Ugh. disgusting. He always did anyway. Uh, all right, let's move on. Ellen says, I reject the premise. <laughs> Leave it to Ellen. Uh, Kit Kat, Twix, and Reese's all get saved with a side of Skittles. I'll allow it. I don't. That sounds great. <laughs> You're on notice, Ellen. Uh-oh. You're on shaky ground. <laughs> Megan, this is interesting. Haribo gummy bears. They now have trick-or-treat size bags I in was going to say, like, so I don't cute. know if I've ever seen that in a yeah. trick-or-treat situation. I just stole a bunch from Sawyer the other day. Um, they mm. have, like, five in there, and it's, like, almost the perfect, the perfect little amount. And they're You're actually literally smaller. literally stealing candy from babies. <laughs> yep. I mean, she didn't notice. <laughs> and the bears are actually even smaller than the normal kind. They're very cute. Mm. Baby bears. Yeah. Megan also says, saving my chocolate consumption for bougier offerings. You know what, Megan? When I got... I got the Halloween candy today and I had to take a little sampling for myself. And I was like, I don't know. I felt very snobby because I was like, you know what? This chocolate is not very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not an, that's not a reaction I've ever had with Halloween candy because it's just the joy of Halloween candy. But like, I don't know. I had a Snickers and I was like, this is kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. Guys, it's happening. We're growing yeah, up. Finally. <laughs> And then finally, Lane <laughs> says, no weird specific Chilean thing to contribute this time. I'm a traditionalist and save Reese's peanut butter cups for myself. The chocolate peanut butter combination is actually hard to come by in South America and expensive on the rare occasion you could find it. Yeah, I think peanut butter is just one of those things that isn't super common in a lot of other places. Yeah, it's so American. Yeah. That Very American. It just doesn't, it permeates life here the way that it doesn't in other countries. Mm-hmm. It, is it like hard to grow peanuts? Is that why it's hard? Like, I think it's just not a thing. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, why don't we have Vegemite? It's not because we can't find disgusting green slime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just not a national True. taste. True. Okay. And then let's, uh, let's finish up with a voicemail from Alicia who has a revolutionary idea about s'mores. Hi, Tishi. It's Alicia. So, Bobby, get ready to excoriate me for breathing or whatever. Um, I recently made s'mores with the seasonal Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. So, the Ghosts pumpkins right now, but it would also work with um, the Christmas trees or eggs or what have you. But I am telling you, this was incredible. So definitely try it out instead of Hershey's chocolate, the seasonal peanut butter cups. Um, And my only one candy for the rest of my life would totally be take five. And I am not a cool single anything. I am a frumpy middle-aged momish type, um, but take five are really good. So give it a try if you can. All right. Take care all. Bye. Seasonal, seasonal peanut butter cups. Mm -hmm. That's the key. The shape matters. Yeah. Well, the peanut butter to chocolate matters too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I cannot wait to try this. I'm so excited. That's a great idea. Mm-hmm. I have used peanut butter cups and those um, Giardelli squares that have caramel in them, um, but I've never thought to do the seasonal ones. See, I haven't made s'mores in ages. Like it's just a, not a thing that I've done. So I haven't had a lot of room for innovation, but now I've got all sorts of ideas yep, swirling around. Doesn't it seem like I'm thinking about the thickness of a regular traditional Hershey bar and then the thickness of a Reese's seasonal cup. 
wouldn't that make a very tall s'more? Like, yeah, seems like it would so, be hard to eat. It might. I think you yeah. would do a deconstructed situation. Are you saying that we should be willing to soldier on and eat this concoction? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't usually like the graham cracker part, anyways, because the it just like crumbles as soon as you like take yeah, a bite. Yeah, it does fall apart. It's not um, a good sandwich. So I think I would just put a marshmallow on top of that thing and maybe eat it with a fork. <laughs> mm, an open face s'more. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when I've made s'mores in the past, it's always like graham cracker, chocolate, marshmallow, chocolate, graham cracker. Mm. Oh, double chocolate. Yeah. So maybe just one would make it a little easy. I Because I can't open my mouth that wide anymore. Like True. I can't. No. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. do two Reese's. That would be an abomination. Well, and um, I have to mention that we didn't get a response from Gregory this week, and it's been tearing him apart, Lisa, because he can't eat this stuff. Oh, no. <laughs> so he was like, I don't have a response. And I was like, it's okay. You don't have to. Isn't there like a favorite nasty sugar-free candy? <laughs> well, or so- something that he would like, you know, cheat for. There, there certainly are. And we get these, um, he gets these almond milk, or oh, almond milk, almond butter, dark chocolate cups um i think they're called uh, gosh i'm not gonna remember the brand off the top of my head but they're low sugar and it's dark chocolate and it's not that horrible and they come like individually wrapped and they're pretty small so if he really needs um some candy if it's sometimes the sugar gets very low and sometimes like that's a good response to that or um very very dark chocolate is also a good one so we have some we have a few extremely like 100 percent cocoa or 99 percent um in the cabinet and he'll have a couple squares of those if he needs some chocolate so like not completely hopeless but i could see how you'd be disappointed yeah it's not traditional it's not trick-or-treating material no i suppose not poor baby i know um i would just like to mention back to alicia this is what happens alicia when bobby's not here Nobody gives you crap. We're all nice <laughs> about your message. Yep. <laughs> we could try and think of something real quick, but I don't know. He can send in a voice memo to complain if he wants. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, let's move on to medium talk for this week. We're going to broach this somewhat delicate subject. It was really interesting when I pitched it, sort of Jeremy kind of pitched it, and then I pitched it further. And we were like, yeah, 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 that's really interesting. But I'm kind of nervous about talking about Mm -hmm. money. Like, I still remember when I was applying for, like, federal student loans or whatever. I did not end up using any student loans because I got a scholarship. But, you know, I filled out the forms. And as part of that, I had to put my dad's income on there. And he was really reluctant to tell me how much money he made. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My dad's he, same thing. And he was like, okay, we're going to put it on the form. He never actually spoke it out loud to me. He like wrote it on the form and said and himself, and he was like, and you don't ever tell anybody what this is. And now, like, it's, now that he's passed away, you need to I tell. know. It's 25 years later, and my dad's dead, <laughs> and I'm like scared. <laughs> See, my dad was like, put it down because you're going to get a Pell Grant. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> And, and you know, it's weird because, right, my dad is dead, whatever, I could say it, but my mom does listen to this podcast, and I'm like, I don't know, will I get in trouble with my mommy if I say? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
You might. It's going to take a ago. lot, I think, to like break this weird stigma that we have about talking about money mm-hmm. because people get there's so much emotion tied up into it and people place value on it but like that's how they get value. you that's how they've gotten us, right, right exactly but like it's really ingrained in us i think you know mm-hmm. right um for us to be like well that's more money than i make and now i feel bad yep and corporations really discourage employees from talking about it with each other because they don't want to know yep. that mm-hmm. you know i as a woman make 25% less than my male colleagues do. I mean, you can't go giving them uppity women any ideas that they mm-hmm. would be worth as much as men or, you know, for whatever reason that some people get paid more and some people get ma- paid less. It's not always because of seniority or capability or talent or any of that stuff. And then in our our personal lives, it's all about, you know, like we said, putting value on somebody's life wrapping a person's value around how much money they have that's yeah that's icky but it's so deeply ingrained so let's do it let's do it (laughs) i don't think we're probably quite brave enough yet to talk about our current salaries listen i'm a public employee you can find it online i was thinking about that like i don't i don't know if i'm brave enough either like i think i would do it if you guys I, w- I would do it i just got i just got a raise because i was told i'm grossly underpaid for the minimum of my job oh that sounds familiar yeah and we have a policy of you can't get more than 10 percent raise so maybe in three years i'll be where i should be paid if they continue oh that so i just got a raise to be ninety three thousand. good for you oh thanks which is I'm finally making more than I was when I worked f- as a personal assistant to the rich guy, which was wow. eight, seven years ago. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. If Christy's going to be brave, then I'll be brave too. Okay. Is this your new one? Uh, we'll say the old one and the new one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys know that at the beginning of 2021, I got a notice from HR that said, oh, by the way, we did some external comps or whatever the lingo is. Uh, and we have reclassed the pay scale for this position, and we had to raise your salary so that you would meet the minimum of about $70,000. And I have just gone through a position reclass uh, so that I could actually, because like you, Christy, uh, they didn't say no more than a, a 10% raise at any time, but my boss tried to say, well, at least can we get her into the middle of the pay range? Yeah. And they said, it's just not happening. It's just, it's too big. It's too much of a of raise. A, of a raise that's, for anything. So gross. Thing. Like, it's so gross. That's just them admitting they underpaid you. Yeah. So yes. My, my boss was like, it's just because you've been underpaying her for a dozen years yeah. would be the reason that she gets the bump now. But that didn't go through. So she cooked up a plan to get my, my job reclassified. And I just got approved this week for that. And it's going to take me automatically to $90,000. Oh, that's amazing. That's, amazing. that's mm-hmm. such a good jump. That's a huge And jump. you deserve it. Yeah. Thank you. You do. All right, I guess it's my turn. Um, so it's it's kind of a it's sl- it's slight mystery because um, for the first time in my life, I'm eligible for a bonus. Um, mm. Yes, so I don't fully 100 percent know, but my my salary now at my new job is 140. Awesome. Nice, it's incredible. That is like almost twice what I was making uh, at my old job. Um, oh, wow. I think when I left uh, Henry Ford, I was making 75. 
Um, and I started at like 55 and I was there for 12 years. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so that tells you how many times I got, the, we didn't get cost of, of living. We, I, I, I really only got raises when I got promotions. Like when I went from a level one to a level two to a level three, um, and then there's no more levels after that. So there was like, that's one of the reasons I was like, all right, this is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I gotta, <laughs> I gotta start looking. Um, and so private sector obviously can't compete with nonprofit. And that's part of why I'm making so much more now. Yep. Um, and I'm eligible for a 10% bonus. So potentially 154. Sweet. Yeah. Ooh la la. I know. I need a job with a bonus. It's incredible. That. Well, I haven't gotten it yet, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I might not get it next year because I hired on pretty late in the year, so it might not be until... Or prorated. It might be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not holding my breath. And honestly, it's fine because like I was living at 75 and I don't need, you know, like I'm, yeah. be, I'm below my means, so it's okay. I don't need a mm-hmm. bonus. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be awesome if I got one, but I don't need it. Right. I'm thinking about, well paying off the house a little sooner mm-hmm. but we'll get to the house discussion yeah. <laughs> but but going back to bonuses I'm always just a little bit jealous whenever Hillary says something because she gets a bonus in her job I and, know. She's, and she's always like whatever asshole just pay me my bonus yeah and I'm like <laughs> all these bonus, million dollar that? real estate bros that she works yeah. with <laughs> well that I will say it on in it. my yeah. in my past life uh when I was married to a banker the bonuses were fucking insane yep. sorry for swearing but they were yep. like literally 100 percent of his salary Oof. which was already ridiculous so wow, 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 wow. it was intense and that's it all taken like, from um non-sufficient funds from poor people that they take well they didn't have they didn't uh, i mean in a roundabout way but they didn't yeah. do personal banking it was all it was all hmm. business banking so it was like fees it was just fee- that that's the only way that he like created revenue for that bank was through fees through deals that they did wow. that other companies paid. So I don't feel it wasn't great. I mean, a lot of those deals were fracking and stuff. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, it was yucky all around, but I, it was very weird to get like a deposit for like 150 grand in your checking account one day. It's just, yeah, like, it seems almost scary. Like, did they mess up? Like, <laughs> yeah, it was very weird. That's one of the reasons that on a much smaller scale, I am very wary about the idea of refinancing my mortgage because I get so many offers from whatever mortgage loan officer is attached to my bank. I'm like, God, they are really invested in, I mean, what's in it for them? And it's got to be the fees. Yeah. Yeah. That's how they, yeah. That's how banks make money is through fees. Yeah. And I'm just so contrary. I'm like, I don't care if I could get a slightly better interest rate. Not giving you those fees. <laughs> well, and it's a huge pain in the ass. And, you know, you have to play sometimes closing costs and stuff. Like, it may not end up being a good deal. If you if you really reduce your interest rate, it might be a good deal for you. I mean, not. you know, I think about it every once in a while. And I'm like, but I'm already 10 years into this mortgage. And if I just pay, make extra payments on the principal, I mean, I am sort of keep things on track in my brain enough that I can be counted on to remember to do it on my own. Mm -hmm. And if I just do that, then I'll pay it off way faster anyway. So I'm not giving them any more profits than they're already getting from me. (laughs) And I've heard that unless it's uh, more than a point, it's not worth it. Cause Mm. they'll be like, Oh, we can reduce it by 0.5. And then like all of the closing fees and all the um, hoops you have to jump through. It's not worth it unless it's one or more. That makes sense. Yeah. 
I'm always just so suspicious of anything that seems to be such a good deal that people are trying <laughs> so hard to get me to take. Yeah, like what's your what's your ulterior motive here? Yep. It's not kindness. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, we didn't anticipate starting out this discussion this way, but I love it. We were going to start with a little bit of family history on, you know, how we were raised really gives, uh, I think, a good insight onto our our attitudes towards money. Christy, do you want to start us off with how your family kind of looked at money? Sure. So my dad um, grew up very poor, um, like like food stamp type. They didn't have it like that. It was like you would go to a place and like pick up like peanut butter and cheese and stuff like that. So it wasn't necessarily like food stamps. So he came from that that mindset and he would always say, if I'd said, Oh, this is only $7. Well, might as well be a million um, because (laughs) if you don't have it. And so, and then my mom, like, I don't, she was just like middle-class or whatever. So we just didn't really talk about it, which I feel like is a lot of that age group. They just didn't talk about it. And when we went to when I went to college and filled out the form same as as your dad and I was like you you're making this much money I think at the time it was like ninety thousand dollars or something in 94 money that's that's pretty good yeah and then my mom also had a job and she was probably like 50 or 60 and so they were like yeah this is the money that we make but we don't have enough to help you because it came back as like your family can contribute this much. And they were like, no, we're not sorry about that. (laughs) Like, um, so that like for a while I was a little bit mad, like, okay, so you have all this money. You didn't put anything away for, um, like savings. You didn't save any money. Um, and you're not going to help me at all, but it's fine. I mean, like at, at the end of the day, I think I felt better about it and respected it more because I was paying for it. I I mean, I basically babysat as soon as I could have jobs. I did. I worked at Wendy's at 15 um, and babysat and did sorts of stuff just to have spending money. And Meredith, what about you? So when I was growing up, um, my mom was very, very practical and very, very frugal. We didn't have a lot of money, but I didn't know that when I was a kid. Like I thought we were rich when I was (laughs) when I was really little. I remember like. Because we had we had a big house, but of course it cost like twenty five grand, right? Because yeah. um, it was nineteen. They bought it in like nineteen seventy six or whatever, and my dad fixed it up. Um, so I thought we lived in like a huge mansion, and I remember sitting there eating like honey nut Cheerios and being like, "This is the life." <laughs> and I was probably four. Or Name something. brand honey nut Cheerios. Yeah, Woo! I know. Um, so I had no idea that they were poor, but it was a lot easier to be relatively poor in the eighties. You know, my mom was a nurse and my dad had, um, quit school because my brother was born. Like he was on purpose. And my dad was like, I guess I'll just quit school. Like, why did they do that? I don't know. Um, but he was doing like construction jobs and he had a paper route. Like he did all sorts of weird little jobs and nurses didn't make a ton of money, um, but they had three kids and my mom did daycare. Like she had daycare at our house. She worked third shift and did daycare during the day. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how she survived that. Um, she I was think also- it's also easier to feel that way if you live in a neighborhood where everyone kind of has the same. Mm-hmm. Um, because I grew up like in Omaha. I felt rich. Like we lived in an apartment and I felt very rich. When we moved to the to Redmond, Washington, 
I was like, whoa, this is insane. And like got made fun of for like not having a Costco membership or mm-hmm. living in an apartment or like having to take the bus. Like <laughs> imagine all flexing stuff. about a Costco membership. Right. Yeah. Like in, in sixth grade. <laughs> As a child. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was sixth grade. Like who's doing that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but so the fact that my mom was so frugal um, meant that I was like very aware of what I could and couldn't have. Um, we were allowed to like, I think the rule was we could request one thing from the grocery store. Mm. And that means like, you know, a chips ahoy, maybe like if you're lucky. Um, so like if I wanted a pony, it just didn't even occur to me to ask. Cause I knew yeah. that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um, and then as I got a little bit older, they stopped supporting me in a serious way as a teenager. Like they were just like, yeah, I don't know. Like you can deal with it yourself. And so I, I ended up getting a job when I was 13. Um, as previously mentioned, that was so, so I could pay my long distance phone bill for my <laughs> boyfriend in Detroit. But after that, it was like, well, you've got a job so you can buy your, I was buying School my own clothes. clothes. Yep. I was buying my own food at a certain mm-hmm. point. Like when I was 15 or 16, I was just buying my own groceries because they stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved in with my dad when I was like 14 and he was very, uh, hands off, I guess is the term. <laughs> he was just like, I don't know. Like if you want to have soy milk and eggs for every meal, I got you. But otherwise you're on your own. Um, cause he only had breakfast at home basically and ate at work otherwise. So I was kind of just like figuring it out. Um, so I was in, you know, I was going to school, like high school, and then, um, I would work every day after school and then every weekend. Um, and I worked at a breakfast restaurant. So that meant getting up for work to be there at seven on Saturday and Sunday, (laughs) which is the, you know, what every teenager dreams of is waking up early every day. I mean, my question is, how do you put a 13 year old on the payroll? Aren't there laws against that? Um, I think 13 is okay, um, but I think they the definitely, laws came later, too. They, this They're was 1996 or 7, 1997, um, and they definitely got in trouble for having me on too many hours. Like, yeah. you can work at mm-hmm. that age, but you ha- there's a very limited number of hours you can limited do. Limited hours, and you have to, because I remember at the Taco John's, they had, they had a couple of 15-year-olds, and they have to, had to leave by 7 p.m., Oh no, that never. Yeah, I never. No, they that we op- we're open till nine and regularly is there till like ten thirty cleaning up. Sure. They didn't care about that. They I, they got in trouble for labor laws when I was like maybe fifty because I was there until I was eighteen. I think maybe when I was fifteen they got in trouble and I was like, oh really? There were rules about this? Like I had no <laughs> idea. <laughs> um, so that was that. I wasn't like. I had some very very poor years, but those weren't until I was on my own. Uh, until I was. Um, kind of in college and supporting myself. That's when I was like desperately poor. Um, I always had enough to eat and, you know, reliable shelter and everything and and a safe place when I was a kid. Um, But when I grew up and was kind of trying to be responsible, I didn't know what I was doing and I did a real bad job. And there were, I mean, I always managed, but it was rough for for several years so those were my like desperately poor years of my early adulthood oh that's you're like a, a kitten that didn't have an older cat teaching it how to <laughs> do this stuff i know mm-hmm. and it's all it's all my fault so you know <laughs> i can't be mad at anybody else <laughs> 
Um, my family history is a little bit interesting. You know, I, I've talked a little bit. My mom is the daughter of politicians, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, my grandparents were both in, you know, various political offices. And so they grew up and they had a big house in the rich suburbs in Edina and, you know, a country club membership and all of that. But I never got the sense that my grandparents were actually very good at money or good at savings. They just had a lot of it, but they didn't really shepherd it very well, I think. And my dad, on the other hand, grew up a very poor Wisconsin farm boy. And so I think they didn't have very much growing up at all. So it's kind of interesting to have the two, those two things intersecting. And I would say when I was growing up, you know, my dad made a good salary, like Christie's dad, but I, I don't know, but it was like, I guess we were rich, not like huge house, fancy cars, lots of money, rich, but like we had a three bedroom house and my parents had a, I mean, they bought a Volvo station wagon and a Saab like in 1989, but then they drove those for the next 20 to 25 years. It's That was sort of what they did. They weren't ostentatious about what they bought at all, but when they did buy something, they would buy something very high quality and then mm-hmm. expect it to last mm-hmm. forever. And we weren't indulged as children at all. You know, we never had any, um, like a Nintendo... I mean, my brothers had Game Boys or whatever, but that was like their Christmas birthday present or whatever. We never had like a game system and we did go to Disney World one year, but most of the time we didn't really go anywhere except up to the cabin somewhere, some relative's cabin. So we, except, except for the one time, we didn't take big extravagant vacations. So I never thought of us as rich, but I guess we were pretty well off. And I never had to worry about food or shelter or any of that stuff. But I don't know. I just felt like I, I never had to think about it. So I didn't know how to think about it when I left, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like I almost felt like if I had had a little bit more involvement or understanding of the actual budgeting and household finances, then I might have felt a little bit better. I think as an adult, I feel semi-panicked all the time. Like, I'm going to run out of money. What if something happens and I don't have money? I feel financially insecure all the time, and I sort of feel that's because I never had a good sort of baseline from my parents. And that, again, is my dad just being super private and not even wanting to talk to his children about his financial circumstances. And it was real interesting. A few years ago, before, I mean, a few years before my dad died, they had all five of us, me and my brothers and my uh, stepsisters, in to meet with the financial planner and sort of go over uh, the accounts and the plans and what was, you know, in all the various accounts. And it was the first time we had ever had any kind of discussion like that. And it was so weird. Like, not mm-hmm. were bad. Were they in weird. there with you? Yeah. Okay. Yep. It was everybody. And, you know, it was at the point where it was necessary to do that and to establish who would have whatever it is, financial power of attorney and who would be the executor of this estate and how things were going to go and all of that. But it was a real um, 
a good experience, an eye-opening experience the first time that we as a family ever talked about money. And I kind of wish that we had, we had done a little bit more of that. And, uh, you know, my parents didn't um, buy me a lot of stuff either, but they certainly bought me food and clothes. For God's sakes, Meredith. Well, <laughs> tell my parents that. Yeah. I didn't want to interrupt you about the car, but um, I did, <laughs> when I was at my mom's this weekend, um, we took my car because they want to buy a Subaru, a used Subaru, of course, um, to replace my mom's 1995 Honda Civic that she is <laughs> oh, still she's driving. Finally going to replace it? Yep. That's how frugal she is. That has crank windows, like manual windows, manual locks, and a, a, a aftermarket tape deck. Excellent. Is she going to sell it? I don't know. It's leaking gasoline. Like when we drove up oh. to the house, we were like, uh, what? <laughs> Is something <laughs> going to set on fire because it just reeked of gas? So just don't have a lighter around mom's car. I don't know. <laughs> she, that sounds probably... like the perfect car for Jeremy to buy and go on <laughs> oh, a road yeah. trip. <laughs> maybe he should drive it to New Mexico or something. Um, no, I, I should. Maybe they'll give it to NPR. That's that, that would be my guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I did. God, that yeah. was easy. I like doing that. But yeah, they didn't like, I don't remember like learning about money from them. They kept it from me such that I thought we were fine, even when we weren't. But I don't remember like learning how insurance worked or anything. Yeah. Right. I think it's a little bit of a, not exactly a delicate balance, but a balance because you don't want your kid growing up and being like worried about stuff all the time, but you don't right. want them living in la la land either i think there's some sort of basic awareness of the family situation would be a good thing but Mm -hmm. not so that it like keeps them up at night or anything yeah i don't know how does one be a good parent christy oh god i don't know you're the only one here. (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not gonna ask meredith meredith are you a good parent to the cat i'm teaching bear all about (laughs) investing i'm i'm trying like because I didn't really have a baseline. And so I felt like I, I also always felt anxious. I still do like, Oh, if, if I lose my job, cause there was one time when I did when, um, after my rich boss died and through the whole thing, they kept telling you, you're fine. Like I knew I was in the will. Oh yeah. They to, left you high and dry, didn't they? Yeah. They, they fucked me over really bad. And then all of a sudden I just didn't have a job and I was like stressed for the entire time. And like, even now I can like feel like how I felt, um, just worrying about that. So I have start, I got Elliot a bank account and then we, there's an app, um, called Piggybot, And then every Friday it gives me like a little thing, like put money in there. And so I just kind of have, um, like a set of, um, chores that need to be done around the house. And then those just need to be done. And, um, like she gets paid like every Friday you she gets um, paid an amount and then I match the savings. And so then she just has like a and I did the Elizabeth Warren of like I think it's like spend 50, um, save 20, 34. I don't even remember what it is. I always have to look it up. But so basically it's um, the 
she gets $11, no, $10. And seven of it goes to, you can spend it on whatever. And two, you have to save. And then I match that. So it's four. And then the rest is to like donate somewhere. And so we're like trying to start a thing like that and be very open about money and how much things cost. Um, And making, I make her pay for a lot of like any of these dumb Fortnite things. Jeremy's always like, yeah, I'll buy it for you. And I'm like, no, like you have money and we can look at your account and see like, do you really want to spend $29.99 on a what they call a skin like an outfit in a game Mm -hmm. do you really want to do that or like she keeps losing library books so i'm like okay well that's going to come out of your money because you have to like you have to feel that yeah that's consequence that's good yeah yeah i remember being really little and being going to the grocery store or maybe like the toy store or target or whatever and my mom being like well we don't have the money for that and and my response being well just write a check oh yeah for sure (laughs) I mean, because I saw her doing that because that was in the days of checks and I thought you could just write it for whatever and it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm sure. Or just just go to the, smart the ATM. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just get money. <laughs> yeah. I, for uh, one, I really like that you have Elliot on an employee match program already. Yeah. Christy. <laughs> That's great. Well, and and then um, my dad had started, um, I don't even know what they're called anymore. They changed the name. Um of college like a college fund and he had it coming out of his paycheck and so it you know when he retired it stopped and then so I started a little one um and Elliot's always like how much money do I have for college do I have enough and I was like you could buy books for one quarter because <laughs> it's so expensive it's so a 529 plan yes, here yes. we've got one for Victor and we need to start one for Olivia unless my dad has just discuss that I guess yeah and I think anyone can contribute to it. I really just want to give everyone the link and say, stop buying all these crappy toys. Mm. Well, that was the problem that we had. The The account holder, at least in Michigan, was the only person who could make like direct deposit from their paycheck. So if mm. I wanted to, if my, my dad was the holder, I would have to like write my dad a check and then Uh-oh. trust him to put it in, which he would. But like, I don't know. That's not always a yeah. great plan. It's too many steps. Yeah. Yeah. That's not making it easy. I know Fidelity has where you can send out the link to people and they can. Yeah. Well, we're getting into our, our money philosophies. And I was sort of thinking about this as the, I don't know, the simplest sort of overriding philosophy that we have with money. And I'll I'll start with mine because it is really simple. It's no credit card balances. Yeah. You, You just don't. If you don't have the money, don't buy it if you can't pay it off at the end of the month and that's because again it's this whole thing where I object to paying fees it's like why (laughs) should I have to pay money to get my own money I'm not I gotta say though and that's like a very it's it's a luxury to not have a credit Mm -hmm. card balance like I used to have to have a credit card balance because otherwise I wouldn't be able to eat food you know what I mean like I just didn't make enough um Mm -hmm. part of this is that my parents are boomers who thought that since they paid their way through college with a part-time yep. job, so could I. And it was and it $40 wasn't dollars a Literally, <laughs> like, a few years ago, my mom was like, you had to take out student loans? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, I thought you worked. And I'm like, yeah, so I could live. I was, yep. few, I was like, really mad about that for a, for a while. She had no idea um, because they were so uninvolved and just didn't seem to care. Um And I racked up some credit cards just because, not terribly, but like I used them and I had to keep them going because otherwise I couldn't live, you know? Mm -hmm. So I love 
not having I don't do credit card balances anymore, but it's because I can afford not to. Right. Well, I guess I should mm-hmm. add the caveat to my statement then that when it is possible, because yeah. my entire senior year, my all my food went on a credit card mm-hmm. uh, and I was just desperate to pay it off. By the time I, you know, after I graduated from college, I had to move back in with my parents for the first year of grad school because I was so poor. And I was like, I, I, I must get this paid off. So that's a good point, though, that it, uh, it is expensive to be poor. It's very, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I always knew that it was bad to have credit card debt, but I was like, what else am I supposed to do? Right. You know? I, you know, but you say that, you know, you know that it's bad to have credit card debt. But I think a lot of young people don't understand Probably, that. Probably, yeah. So, I mean, the the success of the people on campus giving away t-shirts and pizza to get people to sign up for yep. credit cards is mm. sort of uh, evidence of the dumbness of 18-year-olds. Yeah. Um, so that would be my, if you don't have it, don't spend it, large asterisk, <laughs> assuming that you have enough to cover your basic expenses, right, right. obviously. Yeah. All right. Who's next? Christy? Do you have a philosophy? Um, I don't. It's kind of changing. So I um, also had huge credit card debt. Actually, um, only until a couple years ago did it go away. And now I just pay it off every month. But um, And I'm just now. So when I worked for um, the rich guy for eight years, he didn't offer insurance or 401k or any of that. So I didn't um, see... Any oh, retirement during that time. I know it's so funny. We, I would always, I mean, it's not funny. It's terrible, but I'd be like, your name is on the side of like three hospitals in this town and you don't pay for your employees to get benefits. Cool. Yeah, that's messed up. Like, and it could have been a write-off for him, like a business write-off, mm-hmm. like if he did that, but it's gross. So, um, uh, yeah, so I got into a lot of debt doing that and I didn't do a lot of um, savings because I, that wasn't offered. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more, um, later with our regrets, but, um, so now it's just save. I do the, I'm trying to do the, um, save, spend, donate. That's the other one. (laughs) Um, but now we're kind of in kind of a weird situation because Jeremy doesn't have a job. And so it's all like up in the air, but Definitely the no credit card balances is the major through that I'm trying to stick to right now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I suppose we should also say that this also presumes the lack of catastrophic medical oh, for sure. yeah. incidents and so forth. I mean, I, I would say we're sort of talking about um, finances in your sort of average everyday non, oh, we have a brain tumor kind yeah, of non-disaster situation. I mean, like you say, Christy, everything goes out the window when you have a big life change like that. And by the way, I think that we're all incredibly happy that Jeremy quit that job. Oh, yeah. He was going to be, oh my gosh. Yeah. He would have a stroke or a heart attack for mm-hmm. sure if he stayed there much longer. Yeah. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, Meredith, your philosophy? Um, there's a few. Um, savings is a big deal for me right now. When I got the new job, I was like, okay, there's danger here. I've been through this before with like lifestyle inflation, you know, you make suddenly a whole lot more money and then you Mm -hmm. like buy a new car and you buy a new house and suddenly you're work you're paycheck to paycheck. And even though you're making a lot of money, so I didn't want to fall into that trap. Um, 
So I have a financial advisor and I'll talk about her more a little bit, but, um, she has, uh, I have a Roth IRA and an IRA and I have some automatic savings now going into the, I forget which one is which the Roth, whichever one your, your post-tax money goes into, I guess. Roth. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so I'm ramping up the savings into there and the plan is for Gregory and I to start putting more money into that. Um, especially once he's done with school and has his, um, his, uh, or at least a, you know, a job that he really enjoys, um, and that makes more money, um, to start saving for our, uh, down payment on our dream house that we're going to buy, build in the woods that doesn't yeah, look like out, our sound. Out in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, right? Yes. Yep. And so we're going to actually, my Sherry advised that we use the Roth for that, um, just because it's very like safe um, and there's no penalties for early withdrawals on those. So it's a good vehicle for, for saving for something like that. Um, so that that retirement savings is also ramped up. I'm saving a 15% into my 401k. Um, and then we have a money market account, um, with a decent amount for money pit situations. <laughs> um, we, yeah. Like, um, we just combined and we've got about 40 grand now in just like liquid cash for like, if the roof falls apart or, you know, half the house falls off, which it probably will at some point, yeah. um, stuff like that. So that's the sort of thing, like I felt so insecure and so panicked about money for so long and finally I don't because we Mm -hmm. have the savings and even before even Jeff was so bad with money he made a lot of it but he spent it just as quick so I didn't feel any more secure then um even though he made like half a million dollars a year (laughs) um so now that I can manage it myself and I'm not as spendy um I feel a lot better about things and I feel like okay we can weather a small disaster you know we live in a cheap area you know that's definitely part of it um this is all kind of scaled to michigan and detroit right like our house is pretty cheap my mortgage is like a little over a thousand dollars um including insurance um so the cost of living is pretty low so we don't need a huge amount of cushion here um so you know what we've got right now feels pretty comfortable in case like i feel like we can handle a disaster. So I don't feel constantly anxious about it. I used to, rem- I remember just like so many nights of just laying in bed doing math of like, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Same. I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I don't have that anxiety anymore. And that, I think that's the, for me, that's, that's the value of money is, is peace of mind. Um, it's so easy for me to get anxious about this stuff. And having a little bit of a cushion just makes everything so much easier for me. It just makes, makes my peace of mind so much better. So there's that. Um, and in general, I feel like, you know, I've got my savings, um, squared away. I feel good about that. And then beyond that, I don't mind spending some money to make my life easier or more enjoyable. Um, like I have the housekeeper who comes, they only come once a month, but it's a, it's a huge positive for me. I love it. I don't mind, you know, um, buying nice kitchen stuff. You know, I, I, I'll get, I, I just bought us a new bed because it made me happy. I just got, you know, a a cool new desk because I'm working from home permanently now and it makes my life more comfortable. I'm spending my whole 24 hours a day at home. So I want my house to be a place (laughs) that I like, you know? Um, so I feel like that's an okay place to spend some money. Um, so that's kind of my, my, my philosophy about spending. As long as it makes my life easier or better, I'm totally fine with spending 
Yeah, I had the same anxiety that you describe as why I worked two jobs mm-hmm. for, you know, more than a decade. And, uh, it, you know, uh, the fear that I felt when I quit that job was really something. And it's not yeah. until this last 18 months when I started working from home. It is no joke how much my expenses went down oh, when I started it's, working yep. from home. So amazing. It's yeah. incredible. And all of a sudden, it's like I would check into my checking account and I have just like a sort of a mental line where I'm like, okay, if it gets to this level, then maybe I'll put an extra payment on the mortgage. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like every month it was getting past that line and creeping up past that line. And I was like, wow, this is something different. All of a sudden, I feel not panicked all the time. So that's great. And also, since I had the furnace replaced a couple of years ago, I had so much anxiety about that stupid furnace because I don't know how much furnaces cost. And I had heard of, you know, furnaces costing $15,000. And I was like, well, okay, I don't have that big of a house. So $10,000? Could it be $10,000 if I have $10,000 in my possession at all times for whenever the furnace goes? You know, then will I be okay? Well, it turned out that I got the furnace and air conditioner for, I think, like 8500 Oh, wow. That's so, good. yeah, it was cheaper than I thought it was going to be, which is mm-hmm. a good way to have things That must have been a hard happen. check to write, though. I have a really hard mm-hmm. time with those big ones. Like, I yep. just pulling the trigger on really big purchases like that and really And that you don't me. get anything that you can, like, actually see. Like oh. a furnace, okay, you're warm. Well. That's fine. But it's not a That's- new bed. It's not a yeah. new car. It's... It's not a housekeeper, right? Like, it's not the things that you get to see every day. I guess day if it's, like, broken and you're freezing to death. Like, when we yeah. first moved into this house, the furnace died immediately, and I would have paid that easy to get a new furnace yeah. and been thrilled about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the whole thing of having gone a decade with always in the back of my mind going, what if the furnace breaks? What if the furnace breaks? What if the furnace breaks? When mm-hmm. it actually came to the day, I was like... Let's get this new furnace in. Yeah. I was really happy about it. And especially when it turned out to not be $15,000. I was, I was yeah, quite like half that almost. Yeah. yeah. I was like, let's get, and I remember because I splurged to have my attic re-insulated because, you know, they insulated to code and not a morsel more in this mm-hmm. place. And I had scheduled the furnace uh, tech to come in for the tune-up on the same day that the, um, insulation guys were here and they were all here at the same time and then the furnace guy was like you know i think it's time and i was like okay so the insulation guys came down from the attic and i was like well i bought a new furnace while you were up there it's like it all (laughs) happened on that same day i was like can you get money and you get money and you get money it was positively (laughs) oprah-esque well i think i know where we're going uh, when I say, what's your big purchase? Obviously, it's by far my house was mine. Oh, yeah. And I hate having a mortgage. I hate having a mortgage. It's just debt in general that just makes me crazy. And I understand the value of credit and how it allows you to buy things that you otherwise could not afford or survive when you're going through a, a hard time. But God damn it, do I hate having to pay that mortgage. I And they say... You know, if you can get a better return uh, on your money by investing it, then you should do that instead of paying down a mortgage. I don't care. 
I want this thing done with absolutely <laughs> as soon as I possibly can. You can't have that much more time. You've had it for a while. Uh, I refinanced maybe like three or four years into it. So I think I'm not, it's a 30 year mortgage. And so I think I'm not even 10 years into it. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't, I'll, I don't like thinking, okay, well, I'll be 64 and still paying yeah. for my mortgage. That's gross. Well, that's capitalism because you're expected this for that to be your starter home and you to buy something bigger with the money that you get from it. That's true. That's true. But I don't want to. And be in debt and die in debt. That's the, that's how capitalism wins. I don't want to. I just want to own it. Yep. Um, So I suppose that both of you have similar uh, large purchases to mine. Well, so yeah, I've bought, I guess I've bought three houses now. Um, Oh, so you you. are riding the capitalist wave. Well, uh, (laughs) I mean, I lost two of them in the divorce. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if that was great or not. Um, Yeah, but wasn't his mom living in the first one? So yeah, but I still don't have any equity in it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I've never actually sold a house. So that's interesting. I don't know how that'll go. (laughs) Um, But my student loans... Well, the Dallas house was expensive. The student loans are the second most, and then my car. Um, my my current car is a Subaru Outback, and it was the fanciest version of the Subaru Outback that exists because Dallas. And uh, it, but that will be paid off next year. And honestly, it's at a, nice. such a low interest rate; it doesn't bother me. And I love that car, and I'm going to keep it forever. As well, well if as your mom, yeah. can, if, if your mom mom's Honda Civic. <laughs> Is anything to judge by? Yep. <laughs> Just follow her lead. Yeah. And honestly, like, I, I guess I don't feel so debt averse as as you, Anne. Like, the, the mortgage doesn't bother me. It's very low. And we already, we I, you know, put 20% down. So we've got equity in it. And, uh, you know, the car will be paid off soon. And I feel like I'll get my money's worth out of that. Um, as far as student loans go, um, I don't regret them but they're annoying um i don't love them but my financial advisor said the same thing that you just said in like it's it's better to invest than to pay those off because they're low interest it's quote-unquote good debt and it doesn't like psychically bother me to have them i'm fine like riding it out and paying the minimum until they're forgiven and they will eventually be forgiven so it's like eh, whatever <laughs> it doesn't keep me up at night so I'm okay with having having some student loans. How about you, Christy? How do you feel about your student loans? Um, I had, they're they're pretty low because I went to a state school and only got a bachelor's degree, so um, they're not that. But they are annoying, um, and I don't like it. But same, very low interest. It's not looked at the same as other debt. Um, also, my first condo was a huge, and I think we bought it ours the same year, right? Uh, mine was two thousand eight. Yep. And what month did you buy? Did you close? Do you remember? Um, June, end of June, I think. Okay, I was October, so we did buy because we both got scammed into that government um, free money, oh, but it wasn't yeah, free. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, the yeah, first whatever. time homebuyer stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then the like credit that wasn't a credit. Yes, and then like six months later, people were getting free money that they didn't have to pay back. Yeah, we got um, seventy five hundred dollar credit, quote unquote, and then the year after, people got eight thousand dollars free money. Free. 
I had to pay that back because I bought yeah. in 2010 the first house, and then you had to stay there for five years, and we were there for four and a half. Oh, oh. yeah, yeah. I had to pay my even my credit back when I sold. Oh, which that's was annoying. But yeah. Um. So yeah, the condo, this house, like buying this house was very very stressful because at the time my condo was underwater so it was worth a lot less than i had paid for I it remember. and I owned on it mm-hmm. um so we had to like rent it out and and the i had bought the appliances when i bought the condo like cuz everything had to be replaced and i like stayed up at night like you did about the furnace but about all the appliances and so now we have a renter in there and i'm like that <laughs> the the water heater was the biggest thing because the water heater was new to the house so it was like from the 80s mm-hmm. and it had never been serviced and never replaced and i just thought like that thing's gonna explode I'm gonna have to replace it and it's gonna ruin the floors and i'm i'm just gonna have to pay for it because i have a renter in there i hated being a landlord i hated everything about it um so yeah this house was very very stressful and um cars yes my biggest biggest purchase was i bought a i had a dream car which was a volkswagen a light blue volkswagen beetle convertible and i loved it so much and i had like pictures of it and i finally bought it i leased it and i was not making very much i should not have bought that (laughs) that car (laughs) at all um and bought it brand new and i would I think I was making maybe $12 an hour and I would park it outside of, cause I had a window in my office and I would like park it right outside (laughs) so I could look at it and be like, that's why I'm still at this terrible job. Like this is why you can't quit. (laughs) So that was probably the biggest. I have a tiny Volkswagen bug story. Um, I went to high school with this girl named Diane and she is actually how I met Gregory because she was super into N- Nintendo, and so was he, and they met on Live Journal. <laughs> <laughs> or, I, well, I don't know if they met on jo- Live Journal, but they were Live Journal friends, and that's how I met him, was through Diane. And Diane won a Volkswagen Bug <gasps> in a school raffle. Whoa! And this that's was in, like, awesome. 1998, when they were, like, the coolest things in the whole world. Yes. And I didn't know anybody who had one, and I was so jealous. They were so cute and bubbly. I know. She actually lives in Seattle now, and she really? works at Starbucks. Yep. Does she still have the car? <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> it was falling apart by the time, like, I think we were a couple years into college. <laughs> yeah, It wasn't good for here, because we don't have, like, snow or thunderstorms, but we have wind. Like, we have wind season, and that thing was so light, because it didn't have a roof, yeah. that it would just blow all over the place. Yeah. And, and so I was like, uh. And also in Seattle, you can't really have it open that many times. It's not really realistic to have a convertible so i i don't think it's a great car in michigan either because the clearance is so low they're so low to the ground and you need to have some some Mm -hmm. room for snow (laughs) and it goes from like no blind spot to the worst blind spots ever it's Mm. just like a big black thing and the window is really tiny but they're so cute they're so cute i would definitely get one again um just for like fun summer driving Mm -hmm. well i guess that's um when we do get rich (laughs) yep you can do that um, now, Meredith, we're going to get into this uh, question of investments and retirement, and you touched on that uh, already, but I am interested to know more about this mystical financial advisor, because I've thought about it 
occasionally I'm like, should I have a financial advisor? Isn't that what grownups do? And then I'd be like, but I don't have any money. What would a financial advisor do with me? That is exactly what I thought when when I met Sherry. Sherry um, is a financial advisor. She's a friend of a friend. So we got a friend discount. And so I have. she has been helping me since like 2011 or something or maybe before that I think no I I, we first signed up for her before I even got my job at Henry Ford which was in 2009 so I was unemployed when I signed up I did literally negative money like I had no money (laughs) I didn't have my job yet I had just finished grad school and I was like what is the purpose of this I don't understand this is weird. We're paying her money every month that we don't have. And Duff was like, it's to manage investments. And I was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) We don't have any of those. Um, But eventually we did. And I still use her. um, And I pay the friend rate because she's a a friend. of. So I pay her $30 a month. And yeah, she works with now she's with Ameriprise. And she manages my um, my Roths, um, like the rollover stuff um, she's handling. So, like, I recently um, cashed out my 403B with my old hospital, which is the nonprofit version of a 401K. Um, and I wanted to roll that over into my Ameriprise um, IRA. And so I, I had to have them send checks to me. And so they literally sent me, I had two separate accounts that totaled about $200,000 and they sent me them in the mail. And I was oh, like, yikes. I don't like this. The mail in Detroit is notoriously like unreliable. <laughs> I was like, I hope $200,000 doesn't get lost in the mail. Oh my gosh. Um, but it made it here. And then... Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to put these in my IRA. And then I logged on and I was like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and I called and they're like, okay, download form 4326. And I was like, okay, I could do that. So I did that. And then I tried to fill it out and I was like, what's client number? And they're like, go to client view to find your client number. And I was like, what's client view? <laughs> like, it's just so frustrating. And so the benefit is that I was like, Hey, Sherry, can I send you these checks and you can do this? She's like, yeah, absolutely. And so that is totally worth it because if I did it wrong, if I put it in the wrong IRA, if I put it in the regular instead of the Roth or whatever, I don't know, um, then I'd be paying an early withdrawal penalty and taxes, right? I'd be paying 10% penalty on that. So that is fully worth $30 a month. Um, So we've set up an increased uh, contribution to the Roth um, since I've gotten my new job. She has turned my like dinky little 403B from my first hospital job when I was a transcriptionist into like from $20,000 into $60,000 in a couple of years. Like she has Bernie Madoff level returns Mm -hmm. um, in in like a less concerning way. But they're real. And that is backed up by um, female financial advisors have way better rates of return than males. Interesting. Um, So if you're going to get one, get a lady. Um, And she's also like, you know, I've known her for so long. Like, we're friends. She she lives in Michigan, not too far away from from me. And, like, 
we get on video calls now. I used to go to her office every year for a check-in, and now we do it on Teams. And, like, we talk about she's adopted. uh, She and her wife have adopted two little boys. And uh, we talk about her family and her parents. And, like, we're friends. Um, And it's a a really lovely situation. Um, But on top of that, like, she has done really, really well by me. Like, I would absolutely recommend having a financial Mm. advisor. It's Does she great. take clients from out of state? Yeah. So like when we moved to Texas, she got licensed in Texas so that she could continue to help us. So she has to be licensed in the state that you live, but she will do it. Do you know what her non-friend rates are? I don't, but I can send you her contact info. <laughs> Please do. Because I, I've, I've want to do this, but it feels like everyone is a scam because you know that there's like MLMs of financial advisors and so i don't trust any of them that's scary yeah so i'd like to have someone who like recommends someone and is like inexpensive even if it's a hundred dollars a month or whatever i don't know i don't know i mean i'm sure that would be worth it either way like she's incredible so like she doesn't do she doesn't do my taxes she's not an accountant Mm -hmm. um but she will like do a full review of my insurance situation like She's always like harping on me to get my umbrella policy in in place and stuff like that because, you know, so she'll like, she'll take care of like insurance situations and investments and I am fully on board. I might also be interested in that. (laughs) Okay. Especially now. And you're making like double, well, not really double, but a lot more, you know, where I have expectations that I might be able to put something away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For, for myself, like, I don't know. Again, my ideas about finance are so basic, like no debt. But and since I spent so much time working in retail, that did not grow my savings at all. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have like at work, they do an automatic five percent of your salary goes into whatever retirement plan for the university, and then the university matches that. So there's oh, a 10% wow. saving rate That's right awesome. there. So I like that. And then I have a couple of others, like small accounts. But I was just thinking the other day, like, I don't know, I'm not making any money in this checking account or the saving account. Maybe I should get a bond? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think that maybe I do need somebody to help me with that a little bit or to take my interests into account. I think I feel kind of burned after buying the house and working with the mortgage broker because I've talked about this before. Oh, they're so slimy. Yeah. yeah it's not the I, same. I had the expectation that our they goals your were best aligned. Interest. Yes. Yeah. That mm-hmm. he, that what was best for him was what was best for me. And it wasn't. What was best for mm-hmm. him was making a sale. Yep. And I just didn't realize it because that's not how I would approach anything as a person who would be in a customer facing role. So I'm like, I'm like, I don't know about any of this. And I've kind of avoided it because of that. But, you know. Well, and, and we bought when there, they, they, the market was crashing, but it hadn't crashed fully. And also there were no, none of these rules that are in there. So they could sell us more house and they did more house than you could afford. Oh, yeah. That was but now they, times. now they can't do that. No. Yeah, he immediately he ran my and I and I had kind of a range in mind when I went to see him. And by the way, I just went to see him because I was like, I guess I better talk to a professional and get Mm -hmm. my ducks in a row and see, you know, what I need to do in order to be ready to buy a house. And when he like ran through my finances, like 
his eyes practically glowed. He was so excited because I think he was in real hard times. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to find somebody that had some amount of savings and could possibly qualify. I mean, you know, like you said, pretty much everybody could qualify at that point. Um, He was just so excited to get me in there and, you know, get that money out of me. And I just didn't realize that at the time. So I should caveat that it's not like I'm doing like stock trading i don't know how that works like i don't know anything about that so this is like this is very like conventional yeah safe investing oh that's what i want baby yeah <laughs> safe so i put her info in slack but i will also like the, she's got like a little um refer me form oh yeah you'll so get some I'll, money, do, maybe. I'll do that maybe yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so my kind of retirement plan then has been work forever Yep. And it's really, I think, interesting because I've noticed a divide in attitudes. So people that I would say that are just like 10, 15 years older than you and me, Christy, they're like, that's fine. You've got the Social Security. When we retire, we'll be Mm -hmm. taken care of. And people in our age bracket are like, I don't trust that I'm ever going to get Social Security. No. And I saw something like our, our age group, the Gen X like only 20% would be able to retire yeah. at this point. Yeah, it seems that there are people that are just enough older than us that have sort of faith in the system mm-hmm. and the rest of us feel Suckers. like, yeah, there's not going to be anything there. <laughs> no. And since I haven't, you know, had the ability to save very much, uh, I have just decided I won't worry about it that much. But, you know, now I'm going to be a big girl. <laughs> But I do, Christy, I do like your strategy. Yeah. Pull the plug and leave no debt. Like, if anything, what I want them to do is, like, if I go to the hospital for some, like, catastrophic thing or I'm, like, dying or whatever, I want them to do, like, a subtotal of what the cost is. <laughs> and if it gets over a certain amount, and the older I get, the, like, the lower that will be, the, the um when it gets to a certain amount, leave me for dead. Like, I don't care. Just pull the plug and like spend the rest of the money I have if I have any left it's not worth it yeah that's something that my mom talks about a lot in you know the vast majority of medical costs in a person's lifetime come in that last year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when people are sort of desperately trying to hang on whether that's the person themselves or their their family family. I mean and why would you not want to do anything when you know your parent is sick or your sibling is sick or whatever that why would why would you leave any stone unturned if you don't want to lose them but you know it's that's what is such a huge driver of our medical costs in this country is mm-hmm. the incredible uh, lengths that we go to to prolong people's lives for a short period of time. And it's a very poor quality existence, too. Yep. I think long-term well, care you. insurance is something that I have thought about a lot. Um, my dad's partner, Milt, the one who died of kidney cancer, um, he was about 10 years older than my dad. So, you know, they had planned on this happening, but not so soon, (laughs) but Milt had very good long-term care insurance. And so they did not like go into debt or like deplete his savings when Milt got sick. And, um, they set up a trust ahead of time. Like I can't even... I'm so grateful that they did all this planning um, because they weren't even technically married because gay marriage wasn't legal when Mm -hmm. Milt died. It was legal like the day he died. Um, 
And so they set up a trust ahead of time so that my dad was the beneficiary. So now my dad is like comfortable for the first time in his life um, because of what Milt was able to leave behind for him and that he didn't go broke taking care of him, even with cancer treatment and hospice. So have those horrible conversations and those horrible meetings. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's super important. Yeah, we the state of Washington is starting January 1st that they just take money out of your paycheck for long-term care. Really? It's a really terrible idea because it only covers $35,000, which is nothing. That's <laughs> yeah, like uh, that's a if, day or two. <laughs> a day or two, right? So you can get private insurance. I didn't even know that this was a thing. Like this had never even crossed my radar till people start are trying to get this insurance um privately so that they don't have to pay 58 cents on the dollar not Mm. on the dollars like every hundred dollars you pay 58 cents (laughs) but um yeah so get that insurance i guess yeah oh god now i gotta think about that too well not for a while (laughs) no you have a while Um, hopefully not so, so um like you said about sherry this is another reason to get someone like sherry is because i closed out an old 401k it was actually like because why did I have that? It doesn't matter. So I had I had one and I was moving it so that all all of my money is in the same place. So when we got purchased by the the new company, I wanted all of it to be in their 401k. And the fidelity was the old people that had my money. They sent me a check and then I sent it to the new one, which is principal. Well, the people instead of moving it into a 401k no it was an IRA sorry it was a Roth IRA and then they put it into the 401k money and because they did that it looked like I had taken a, a um oh, an early, early withdrawal mm-hmm, and they were trying and my tax taxes came oh, up I remember when this was happening yes too, I think so yeah. now for the rest of my life I have to keep a, a letter um Ugh. written by an accountant that that they had messed up and oh and principal God. never really admitted that they messed up. They just said what had happened, but they totally messed it up. And so because at any time I could get audited and they'd say, no, you owe 10% of whatever that cash out was. See, and they that's why I'm money. so glad that I yes. sent her that 200 grand because <laughs> exactly. that was so Yeah. And, and you have to, like, you would think that that company would understand if I say this, yeah. I want you to do this. And instead they mix it in and it's like dirty money. So like a Roth IRA has already been taxed and a 401k hasn't. Right. And so once they mixed it in with that, it was like dirty or clean or something. I don't know. And then they had to pull it out and... Yeah, it's all like pre versus post tax. Like it's all tax yes. games. Right. Ugh, and it's then, like cocaine money. Exactly. And if you are looking for a new place to hold any of your investments, do not use principal. They are terrible. And they the two like all of their departments don't talk to each other. So the four oh one K department doesn't talk to the IRA department. And what they had to do is like cash pull the money out of my four oh one K deposit, write a paper check to themselves and walk it over to the other building (laughs) and the whole thing like I had all of that money was missing for seven full days and I was like hey it could be making it could be making um money like you're taking it out of a place where it's making interest and holding it for seven days like that's not really fair and they were just like yeah mm -hmm, but we're not doing anything about it yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I highly recommend Sherry 
as well or someone like sherry (laughs) well let's uh ride that little wave and talk about budgets and keeping records which one has (laughs) to do apparently yes um this is a weird one for me because everything that you guys know about me would lead you to believe that i am on the ball and keep meticulous records and make a budget and all of that stuff right right Mm -hmm. don't i don't i'm genuinely surprised i know I'm surprised at myself, but I think it is a combination of never knowing any of that stuff growing up and then becoming so completely anxious about it as an adult that I've always been desperate to be very certain that I'm living below my means. Do you know exactly what's in your bank account, like pretty close at all times? Um, I mean, what's pretty close? No, I don't. Like within 100? No. Okay. See, there's one of the differences. I think kids who grew up poor or Mm -hmm. people who have been truly poor know exactly what's in their bank account all the time. And I I never experienced that. So (laughs) I I don't know that. But all I know is that I must have enough of a cushion that I don't have to worry about it. That's so interesting to me because it's such a good opportunity for a fun spreadsheet. I know. That's why I said... (laughs) Everything that you know about me would lead you to believe mm-hmm. that I'm on top of this. But I really just sort of live in the knowledge that I am under the red line for sure. And I have always, I'm just not a spender at all. That That's Lundholm blood in me for sure is nobody in our family spends money. So it's not like I'm making a lot of purchases anyway. You know, you're not like bumping up against your comfort limit. Yeah. Too close unless you have a giant furnace expense or something. And and I've spent the last decade worrying about the furnace expense. So I know that it's there. Uh, So I just have this sort of well-formed sense of, I don't know, my universal financial balance is what I work from. But I'm interested to know how you guys do it. Meredith? Well, um, so now that I can afford it, Um, I think I have some scars from being poor um, where I had to like very carefully keep track of every cent that I had to the point where like, I think now I go a little hog wild at the grocery store because that was traumatizing for me to have to like pinch pennies at the store. So now like if I want something fancy at the grocery, I get it. You know what I mean? Like I will go to the rich person grocery store. That is totally my splurge as well. Yeah. It's like a feeling of freedom for me to not think about how much stuff costs at the store. So like every once in a while I'll be like this vanilla extract costs $25. (laughs) What? I just, I just bought two vanilla beans for 1999 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so every once in a while that will happen and i don't notice until i get home and i'm like yikes <laughs> but that is not the the panic of like i can't afford this or my check is gonna bounce or my debit card's gonna get declined or whatever so so i kind of splurge at the grocery store but um I generally have everything on auto pay now. And that is a freedom of not having to worry because I know that the money is there to cover it. Um, So that is like hands off automation that I really, really enjoy. Um, I check my accounts regularly. I also have like, you know, on the lock screen of your like on my iPad, I've got a, a little widget of my bank account. 
and it tells me my balance every day. Um, I know that my money market balance doesn't change all that much. I have an automatic deposit go to that, so I know it's going to increase slightly, and then I'll get a tiny bit of interest. Um, and those are the two things that I check kind of regularly. Um, I get a little nervous if my, like you said, Anne, if it goes below a certain balance, um, and then I'll like kind of like back off spending on unnecessary things, you know, if that's the case. Um, but usually, you know, lately it hasn't been a problem, which is a huge blessing and it makes me feel great. Um, but the other thing is dealing with um, combining finances. So when we got married, you know, we were obviously having everything separate. And then when we got married, it was like, okay, what are we going to do moving forward? And um, I kind of thought it would be easier to have everything combined. You know, have like one checking account and have everything blah, blah, blah combined. And then we don't have to worry about like who's paying for what. But that uh, wasn't like exactly what he wanted to do. So we're keeping our um, individual checking accounts, but linking them so that we have access. You know, like I am on his account, he's on mine. So in case we ever need to take over, like if one of us dies, you know what I mean? Like it's not going to be a, a huge mess. Um, so that's something. <laughs> if the that... sidecar breaks off the motorcycle <laughs> and like goes spinning down into a gully, <laughs> that would be me falling off of a bridge. Yeah. Um, then at least he has access to my money. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, that's something I think about a lot is like, I don't want him, you know, if I die, I don't want him to be like up shit's Creek. I don't, you know, vice versa. So we are starting to slowly combine in that way, but we're having, we're kind of keeping our independence, um, and I have zero interest in like policing what he spends and he doesn't want to police what I spend. So that's nice. But that leaves the issue of like household and shared expenses, you know. So how do you do that? Yeah. So we have a spreadsheet, a fun, fun spreadsheet that he has um, labeled the equalizer. (laughs) And um, before we were married, that was a, an accounting of, of all the bills. Um, So like there was a column for me and a column for him and it would equalize everything out and split it 50-50. And now it's sort of become a more general thing of like, this is about how much our bills are each month. And he we split them kind of a little bit more proportionally to our income since I'm making so much mm-hmm. more than he is now. Um, that, you know, he... And, and just because like, I don't know why exactly, but like most of the bills are in my name. I don't... I I don't know. I don't know. Because when we bought this house, like, I was here most of the time. He was traveling a lot. um, And I deal with most of the home stuff. Uh, So, like, the vast majority of the the major bills are in my name. Like, he pays for Hulu and, like, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, we put all that stuff in there to kind of make it all even. But, like, he will transfer, you know a grand to my checking account every month just to like cover his half of the mortgage and the electric bill and stuff like that. So is that how you put like groceries and food and stuff too? I kind of don't worry about groceries. That's another thing where I'm just like, I do the cooking. It's my like hobby, you know, it's something I enjoy and I want to buy what I want to buy. And he is very, um, he has a different like theory about food. Like he doesn't want to spend a lot of money on it and he likes to be frugal and it's kind of like a, 
a Polish pride thing for him to be cheap. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, nah, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting this nice steak or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if it costs $20. Yeah. So, I, I had a friend. I don't know if it's a coincidence that this is also a, a man uh, who was like, I don't understand why you would buy those like super expensive little pints of ice cream. You can get like those big buckets mm-hmm. for less than you can for one of those those pints and i was like i am not eating that shitty bucket of ice cream yeah it's a quality over quantity or a taste thing maybe Mm -hmm. you know um i think quality is maybe a more of a subjective thing but that's something that doesn't stick in my craw at all i you know we've discussed that and i'm just like i'll take care of the group you know i don't care Mm -hmm. like if if i need him to stop at the store he'll do it and he'll get whatever i need but the vast majority And if you of, go out to dinner, do you like split it or do you... We haven't done that in so long, but the policy used to be that he would I love get... That you have a policy. Sort of. Sorry. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> we used to like every time we would go out to eat, he would pay for that and I would pay for the groceries. Hmm. So that's a good policy. Yeah. And and it's sort of shifted since we aren't like going out. But when we mm-hmm. order delivery, like I I guess it falls on me now because I bought a DoorDash pass <laughs> and it's just on my account. So like I take care of it now. But I don't I don't know. I just don't care. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care about making that sort of thing 50 50, um, especially because I make like three times what he makes now. Right. So I feel like we could do an entire show on marital finances. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everybody's got such different philosophies about it. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. And I'm not even married, but, you know, what I saw from my parents' marriage gave me a lot of very strong ideas about <laughs> how mm-hmm. I would or would not want to run my finances if I was in a couple. Well, it depends on the the person, right? Like, if, if I was with somebody who was very controlling, uh-huh. that would be a different situation. But he literally has, like, gives no shits about what I spend on anything. He's never commented on it. So... I don't feel like I need to control it too much. I also think, and like being single for a long time, like me, I got stuck in my ways. And also when I was married before, when I was younger, he was so terrible at money that like, I have to like, I don't want like anything combined. I don't, I don't Mm. want, I want to control all of it. Like I want to be like the CFO of the, of the family, or I just want to have my money separate because I don't want to go into debt because of your mistakes again. (laughs) See, I feel like Gregor, I trust him so much with my, like he's more frugal than me. Um, and he's more like, he's so much more controlled than I am. And he's so good at saving and he's so good at planning and he's so good at not being in debt. Like I totally trust him. I think he's better with money than I am. So I have no issue at all. Like if he wanted to take control of things, I would be totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. So he probably has a mindset like me where he doesn't want to like have a full on joint because he's like, has that like nervousness Mm -hmm. probably still. I mean, it's not about you. No, 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 no. And yeah, like he was single for a long time too. And I think he's got a system that works really well for him mm-hmm. and it gives him like a sense of security and that's and totally fine. Yeah. And yep. I don't want to take that away. So right, it's fine. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's end on our biggest financial regret. I had a, I mean, I was thinking like, I don't exactly regret buying my house. And Christian, as you mm-hmm. were saying, you and I bought, not at the worst time, no. Well, at least we didn't buy at the height of the market. We just right. thought that the market was at the bottom, yeah. but and it, it turned out it was only halfway multiple down. bottoms. Yeah. That's the yep. problem with trying to predict those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But and you know, I wasn't ready 
to buy the house financially exactly. I think I was in the vicinity of being ready, but because I am so financially conservative, if I had really understood the process and understood, you know, the mortgage broker's real motivations and all of that stuff and the fact that I'd have to get that stupid PMI, yep. I, I might not have done it. But being, you know, where I am now, I don't know that I really regret it because I got through it. You know, I never mm-hmm. had any catastrophic financial happenstances. I just had anxiety about it for a decade. So I don't know. So I guess what I will say is house related is that that when I moved in, probably after the first year, I just felt like the air conditioning wasn't working very well. And I had somebody in to look at it and they were like, oh, yeah, it's time you got to replace your air conditioning. I was like, "Okay," And he said, you should get this one. I said, "Okay," And I kind of wish that I hadn't done that because I think it was more of a repair than a replace. Mm. And when I got the furnace, I ended it was such a good deal to get both the furnace furnace and the AC that I got them as a package deal. And the AC wasn't that old. Oh. You know, it was like mm. not even probably 10, 10 years old. Yeah, not like nine years old, I think it was. And so I felt like I did kind of waste that money on the air conditioner. And I that wish seems that like I a pretty hadn't. minor, I mean, not to like belittle you know, or anything, it, but like I'm glad that it that's is. not that big of a deal. It wasn't catastrophic or anything. Yeah. It, and it, that's what I can come up with because I am so um, financially timid and conservative that I haven't taken any big swings or made super crazy promises. The only new cars that I ever bought was a fucking Saturn. Mm-hmm. It was $14,000. <laughs> yeah. That was my first car. Man, I really liked the Saturn way mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. Like when they smelled it, like sulfur. That was great. <laughs> well, when it was this, the sticker price is what you pay and we're not yep. bullshitting you or we're yeah. not playing this game. I liked that. They were cool looking too. Yeah. Yeah, back in the day, they were fine. You know, R.I.P. Saturn, a beautiful idea that eventually got sucked back into being just another car company and then died. So that's my worst. What about you, Meredith? Um, You know, when I was broke uh, and a, you know, a young idiot, I got some credit cards. I got a store card. I got a J. Crew card, which Mm -hmm. I really shouldn't have done. Um, I didn't get in too much debt, but it was very stressful for me. I, that was the kind of debt. I don't like to have credit card debt. Obviously, I don't think anybody likes it. But um, that bothered me in a way that like a mortgage or a student loan doesn't bother me because it was very, very difficult to manage. I didn't make enough money to service it. And it just sort of like, you know, immaturely, I was sort of like, oh, I have a $6,000 limit. That means I have $6,000, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that is not how that works. The interest on those store cards are like 20%. Yeah. It's it's predatory. It is very predatory. (laughs) So I didn't get too far in, but like I really wish I hadn't done that just because it stressed me out and it added, I was already pretty stressed out about money and everything else that I didn't need that extra stress. So like, no, I absolutely did not need a J crew card. I'm not claiming that like all my financial (laughs) stress was just poor little me. It was, I made some dumb decisions. Um, and that was definitely one of them. Um, and like, you know, when I was, I like, I smoked cigarettes for Christ's sake. That was such a stupid thing to do when you're, when, especially when you're poor, but I so was much like, money yeah, wasted. I know, I know it was before they cost $5 a pack or $10 or 12 they're or like, whatever they are yeah, now. They're like $12 now. <laughs> I remember when they were five and I was like, nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, 
But you know, but yeah, you I definitely so cool. It was very cool, yeah. and it was a stress reliever. That I, I justified it as a stress reliever, which is so stupid. Yeah. You um, had the cigarettes and the J. Crew outfits. Like yeah, you were set. I was very cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. I, I can't lie. Um, no, but I made some dumb decisions, and it was just out of ignorance. And I learned my lesson, and and thankfully I haven't repeated those. Um, but I do regret getting credit cards. I never signed up for the like the campus handing out a, a you know, a T-shirt and sign up for a credit card thing. Um, but I just did it on my own <laughs> for a J crew t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't regret the student loans. I couldn't have gone to school without them. You know, I got some grants and some scholarships, but I needed student loans to round it out and to live frankly, because mm-hmm. it was expensive to live and go to school and, you know, um, getting a master's degree is, is not cheap. So I, that was mostly student loans, especially because I was working full time all through grad school. So, you know, I couldn't do a a TA or anything like that. Um, But I I don't regret it. And, you know, they've just announced some changes to the public service loan forgiveness program. Um, I have zero faith that I will qualify forgiveness, but I have, um, you know, I worked for a nonprofit for 12 years and I paid my student loans for that amount of time. So theoretically, I should... um, qualify but I was one of those people who applied and applied and applied and got rejected for dumb dumb reasons which is why they're revamping that program I don't know if you guys are aware of this but it's been in the news lately Mm -hmm. um, that they are laxing the requirements for that program because it's been so mismanaged and, and like almost nobody has gotten forgiveness as it was intended so even though I don't work for a nonprofit anymore, those years still count. So there's like a oh, tiny nice. chance that I might be able to get my loans forgiven. And honestly, that was part of why I decided to move to industry. It's like, if I'm not going to get my loans forgiven um, and making this tiny bit of money, why don't I go somewhere where I can afford to just pay them off <laughs> right, know, right. in a decent amount of time? They will get forgiven after 25 years, no matter what I do. But like, that's quite a while. I'm not even halfway there yet. So Yeah, the student loans kind of suck. I wish that, I don't know, my parents had been nicer and loved me enough to pay for my college, I guess. (laughs) Your parents loved you. It's just they had their heads up their asses. They had a weird way of showing it. Did they have money to do it? No, no, Mm. no. No, but, so the the thing that I am bitter about, my dad worked at, at the university where I went to undergrad and grad school, and I lived with him. And um, when your child went to the school, they were eligible for half off their tuition. The catch was you had to provide 50% of their support, like life support, basically. Hmm. Um, And when I was an undergrad, that was true because I lived with my dad, even though I had to pay him rent. Um, But when I was in grad school, that was not... Yeah, that was not true. And he wouldn't sign the piece of paper. So I had to pay full price for grad school. What? Yep, because he was like, "Well, I could get fired if they found out that I lied." And I'm like, "How are oh, they going to find out? They're not going to. They're check. not going to audit your fucking bank account." But oh he wouldn't gosh. do it. I'm so. so mad at him now. Yeah. Well, me too. Well, <laughs> my dad wouldn't sign a loan for me to buy that Saturn. Yeah, the first Saturn. He refused to co-sign it. So I ended up actually leasing the first Saturn because I didn't have enough credit for yep. the loan on my own. Mm-hmm. It's like. Do you not have you not met me? Do you like, not understand? Like, what's I would the big deal? A loan for you, Anne. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm never. Gr- I l- like my leg could be caught on fire, and I'd still make sure that I got that <laughs> yeah, payment in. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, Christy, what's your biggest financial regret? 
Um, the first marriage, am I right? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's what I said in planning, right? <laughs> Probably when I was making the, I didn't really put anything away when I was working for Bob because it didn't have a 401k and I didn't really understand anything about that because I had a 401k prior at, when I worked at AT&T Wireless, but it just like, you know, I was young and like, okay, so money's there. I'm getting free money somehow. Um, and that goes into, um, that 401k started just like dying, like because the market, the economy was going bad. Right. And so I saw it and I was like, this is losing like thousands of dollars every month. I'm going to cash it out. And then that's when I bought my condo. Yeah. I mean, it was only $9,000 at the time. And I didn't get dinged because I was buying a first home. Oh, you're allowed to do a withdrawal. Yeah. Yeah. And also it was when we got that, what we thought was free money and it was not free money. Um, So I did that then. But I bet if I would have just kept it in there and just pretended it wasn't there, I would have had a lot more money now. But I wouldn't have had that condo. So it's it's hard to have any regrets except for that I didn't. I wish I would have gone to grad school when I worked for Bob because I basically only had to like work work from nine until 12 and then like one until four because he would like pass out. He would go to lunch at <laughs> noon every day and then he would pass out drunk until oh four and then I'd wake him up. And say, okay, time to go home. And he'd say, okay. And so I could have been doing homework that entire time. And he had no idea what I was doing on my computer. So I should have done that. And I, I wish I had like looked into what IRAs were and Roth IRAs and like saved when I was like single, had hardly any bills and was making a lot of money. Yeah. You know what this conversation has made me think about? It's about those some old person is always harping up on how we should stop teaching kids fancy things and teach them things like financial management courses mm-hmm. in, or how to do your taxes. Yes. Yep. Junior high and high school. And I'm starting to think that that might be right because it's here's the three of us. Correct. Highly intelligent women who have just sort of bumbled our way into being okay in life and mm-hmm. have made all these avoidable mistakes. Mm-hmm. Well, because I don't there think was nobody there to be. Honest. Well, I mean, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, somebody to kind of teach you more about investing rather than just the it's a thing. Or even just like even a tiny bit of financial literacy. Like would mm-hmm. have gone exactly. Yeah, for sure. And the three of us figured it out. But Eventually. then how many people didn't? Mm-hmm. And 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 we'll talk to each other when we're retirement age. Because we probably don't have enough to retire at 65 oh God, at this no. point. No, no, no. <laughs> so, I mean, I do those calculators and I just like have a panic attack because they're like, you should have $2.5 million or that's what you need. I'm like, what? <laughs> you guys, I don't. So I, I don't know. Okay. So whenever I meet with Sherry, I'm like, I'm never retiring. Right. And she's like, no, you will. It's okay. And I'm like, sure, whatever. My mom just retired and I don't think she listens to my blog. So I think I can say this. She, mm-hmm. we, we took a little test drive in my car because she wants to get a Subaru. So I, we drove around and I got more information out of her in that like 10 minute drive than I have in like two years. And she told me she recently retired and she's like, I made more last year retired than I did my last year working. And I'm like, huh? 
how did you do that? And she's like, I don't know. I retired with like 350 and now I have way more than that. And I made 104 last year. And I'm like, how did you do that? And this is like, she's a nurse. Like she was like, not, you know, a high earner at all ever. This is the most money she's ever made in a year. And she didn't do anything. And that was like, oh, I almost have that much. How did, what? Social security, baby. But that will be gone for us. We have to just. Well, maybe. I mean, they've been saying that for years. And it hasn't gone yeah, away yet. Yeah, but it's yet. true now. Yeah, but <laughs> I feel it'll it. be I true feel for it us. In my bones. I it'll know. be true for us. It gave me some hope that, like, okay, it's not that bleak. The only financial advice my dad ever gave me, um, and I'm passing it on to you, is if you have the option for an HSA, you should always do it and max it out. Like he retired because you know you FSA you have to use every single year. Yeah. Use it or lose it. Where an HSA is like. It's invested you and invest you take this, it with yeah. you mm-hmm. and it goes, it like rolls over every year. Um, like when he retired, his statements kept getting sent here for some reason. And so I saw, I opened one and um, he had like a hundred thousand dollars in his HSA. He was, he was fraudulently what? using my address to be in Washington. <laughs> still, so <laughs> I can, do that. yeah, he had a hundred thousand dollars in his HSA and he's like, it was, it's like another 401k. Yeah. Hmm. And, and it comes out pre-tax. So it's another way to have a lower taxable income and you can use it for medical and you'll always have medical expenses always. Right. That's funny. Um, Cause I try to do that. Cause like I, but I, and I max it out. But like I have so many medical expenses that I use it. Like I, I reimburse myself. So so that's what he said is if you can afford to buy that whatever, like you can afford to buy the prescription, don't use it. Mm. Save it for when you actually need it. I guess I should try that. And so I I just do that and just pretend that it's not Hmm. there. Because I have an FSA, and like Mm -hmm. you said, it's use it or lose it. Yeah, so you have to do almost November. And uh, I will just say that I I love my therapist. She's a great therapist. Uh, but getting receipts for Ugh. the um, every therapist is bad at this is oh is bad. Oh. And the last time I sent the check, and I was like, "Can you just like write the receipt and then send me a picture of it?" And she's like, "Yeah, I um I don't have any receipt forms right now because my printer is broken. So I'll just send you an email with the dates." The insurance company won't take it. Like, I gotta get this FSA money spent. <laughs> like yeah, I, I can go back to her and say, write an invoice okay, for her and have her sign this? it. And then it's so fucking painful mm. <laughs> to try and get my therapist to do the paperwork correctly. Find an invoice online. I think Google has like a template. Write it out and then send it to her to sign and then and then send you back oh, that's because good. that's a good idea. It's your money. When I started this new job. I have an FSA, but no HSA with this one. Um, I have an HRA, I think, but whatever. So they they gave me the full amount of the FSA, and I started in August. So now I have all this money that I need to spend. Wait, I think your I company told- contributes, gives you money for it? Oh, yeah. Ours doesn't. They put like a ton of it, most of it in there. So I have like three grand that I need to spend, oh. I think, by March. Whoa. And so I'm like, uh, does anyone need some bullshit, like medical yeah. garbage? <laughs> Send me I- some band aids. <laughs> yeah, I will. For Christmas, everyone's getting medical supplies. Who Here, Olivia, Tylenol. some princess di- d- band aids. You should buy her a bunch of oh, some kids that band-aids. age love band aids. Yeah. Like they're always like faking hurt 
to like pretend like oh, i have a cut i can't show you it but i need a band-aid and she <laughs> loves frozen's i bet yep. there's frozen band-aids. there you go oh, okay. i'm sure there is. i can spend three thousand dollars <laughs> band-aids for everybody <laughs> All right. Well, I cannot believe that we have talked over two hours about money when we were kind of nervous about doing this. But let's just end with our question of the week is we so desperately want to know your biggest financial regret. Lay it on us, people. I don't care if they're long this time. Yep. I want to read it. I want to hear about the thing that makes you sweat in your sleep that you did. And you're like, how could I have been so stupid? Please. Make us feel better about ours. We've all (laughs) had it, and it makes us all feel more human and connected. We judged you for your Halloween candy, but I promise we will not judge (laughs) for this one. No way. We only judge you over trivial things. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Christy, I know your name's on here, but I've got two. I'll just do it. Okay, do it. Do it. (laughs) I've got two Tishi recommends for us today. Um, The first is... Um, it's called The Repair Shop. It's on Netflix. There's only one season, even though there have been several on BBC. Um, we only have the third season on Netflix, and it is the perfect show to fall asleep to. If you need something in the background to go to sleep to, this is so soothing. It makes Bake Off seem like cutthroat competition. Whoa. Hmm. So this is a show, if you're not aware, it's kind of, it's a few years old, so... Um, I might be behind the times here, but it's British. They're in the, this adorable cottage and these like old British people bring them these adorable like artifacts and old pieces of art and stuff that are slightly broken to these super sweet, adorable artisan people who fix them up and then present them with this like amazing final result and then the old people cry and everybody loves everybody it's so low stakes it's zero drama like literally zero drama um it's just heartwarming and and wonderful so it's so easy to fall asleep to highly recommend um i am only sad that there's just one season on netflix so i've got to figure out how to get the rest of them um that have been on the bbc um the other one uh this is a late edition i didn't notice this until an hour or half hour before we started recording lindy west has an article uh an email newsletter called butt news (laughs) and i (laughs) in general highly recommend that but the one that she sent out today so what she does is she watches a movie and writes a long response article to it it's hilarious it's like her um shit actually she wrote a book called mm-hmm. shit actually about this and so this is kind of an extension of that and the l- most recent one is save the last dance which is a movie we have discussed on this show yep. i haven't read it yet i haven't read her newsletter and i'm so excited to do so um so i just wanted to plug that real quick and you should subscribe it's free you can you can do her like patreon or whatever if you want to, but it's you get her newsletter for free and it's very long. It's like a huge, huge, super long Lindy West article. So you know it's gonna be funny and great. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that yeah. sounds and, very intriguing. And also um lots of uh, uh fiascos with her dog. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be eating things and pooping everywhere. Pooping so. all the time everywhere. Yep. Oh, premium dog content. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, get involved with the show at this show has everything.com. Or at throwyourphone.com. We love getting those throw your phones where you can let us know the good, the bad, the ugly that you feel about our show. 
Join us on our Facebook group. We will post that question of the week up there for you uh, early in the week. Uh, show Twitter is at Tishi Show. Bobby updates it regularly. I understand because I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> you can always send us an email at, at Tishi at 10710.com or send us a voice memo like Alicia did. So happy to get a voice memo from Alicia. Yes. You can just attach that to the email and send it in. And fax Bobby your butt at 617-354-8513. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And that was everything about our personal finances. <laughs> Literally everything. <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we need Bobby and Hillary to come on and tell us how much they make. Yes, That's please. true. That's their challenge next, <laughs> next episode. <laughs>
Let no one ever say that we are not transparent on this show. No. 